Today's sponsor is Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove for a free audiobook download. Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're talking about Season 5, Episode 8, titled Coda. This is the season finale, the mid-season finale, rather. Uh, what did you think of it as a mid-season finale? It was okay. It was... Just okay. I had some emotional armor in that I was prepared for the worst. I, I, I was, was prepared for Carol to die as is evident by all my predictions. And that's the thing. Like, it's it's so hard to unpack when you've got these expectations. Um, you know, lowered expectations or raised expectations. You kind of have to a- adjust for that. It was it was okay. It's certainly not the worst finale or mid-season finale they've ever had. Oh, um, no. God, no. Season three. It's season three. was Welcome the worst to the tombs, season baby. finale I've ever seen in Welcome any show. Welcome to the tombs. Um, I think that... I don't know. I mean, I was sad that Beth died, but... It was screwed up by, by me just having the schadenfreude of Maggie's reaction and uh-huh. how f- flat that payoff felt. Um, yeah, I was relieved that Carol survived because even though I was fairly confident after last week's spoiler section uh, that that indeed she, you know, Beth is going to die, Carol's going to live, I was still worried that like you know maybe our our expectations would be subverted. But no, I. It was just, it was okay. It didn't, it didn't get me super excited for next season, and it certainly didn't make me want to not cover The Walking Dead anymore. So there you go. I'm drinking, yeah, I'm drinking peach flavored whiskey in <laughs> honor of the Doodlebug. Okay, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> I, I actually should have got to. the moonshine, the old smoky moonshine down. Yeah, you should have, because uh, uh, you know, I, I'm already three years from now. I will misremember that Beth's first drink was peach schnapps. Yeah. But I, but but Daryl saved her from that. Uh huh. Daryl could not save her from Don's no bullet. And, I mean, Don walks up and offers that weak ass drink. She's used to moonshine now. Yeah, she's had shine. She can't go back to that water. Yeah. Well, I mean, how do you know what? Do you, what, was she, what was she drinking? Do you know? It, it was something dark. Something not dark. As, not as strong as moonshine. I'll tell you that. Oh, okay. Especially homemade moonshine. Could have been uh, rubbing alcohol. Who knows? I mean, Beth's dead now, so I like to think it was Jamaican rum. Jamaican rum. I don't know why. Interesting. Interesting. It's a weird thing for her to drink in that scenario. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's marooned there on the okay. desert isle that is Grady Memorial. Of her own creation. Of her own creation. Mm. But she's liberated this episode. It had a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> sure, from that perspective. Uh, why don't you tell us about this episode? Uh, first, I just want to remind everybody that our survey, 2014 Bald Move Satisfaction Survey, is still live at survey.baldmove.com if you got a moment and you haven't taken it yet um please go in there it'll take about five minutes for you to tell us uh, how you think we're doing what you're excited for in the future it'll help us make a better cast in 2015 Mm -hmm. so please do it if you if you've done nothing else besides listen and poke fun and 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 and, uh, chortle with us on The Walking Dead. Please take the survey. Survey.baldmove.com. Uh, this episode, Coda, was written by Ernest Dickerson, who is the man. He is 
one of the more accomplished directors on The Walking Dead, and uh, we've talked about him lots before, but he's now directed 11 episodes of The Walking Dead. He's got Treme, he's got The Wire, he's got Weeds. The man Mm. has 54 series credited to his name as director. Wow. He knows what the fuck he's doing, and I think uh, he had a lot of fun in this episode. Uh, I I loved his uh, Rick running versus Bob grinding his... uh, you know, uh, plastic cuffs or whatever you call those, rat yep. belts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was written by Angela Kang, who has written four episodes of Walking Dead and two episodes of Terriers. Um, not a ton of experience, and she's kind of got a mixed bag on whether we liked her or not on The Walking Dead. But I don't, I, I feel like that this might be the best finale we could expect it under circumstances because I think that they just, once again, have done a really poor job of setting up the things that they needed to set up and paying off the things they needed to pay off. Yeah, the hospital stuff didn't work for me. There is the a universe in which Beth dying, and I know a lot of people were extremely upset and affected. Um, I'm I think, not. I'm I a, think they were upset and affected after the fact when they saw Emily Kinney on Talking Dead that could bawling be, about it. That could be. Um, but but <laughs> um, I, I do feel like that I can imagine a universe in which that scene... Is is just destroys yeah like yeah. with Maggie finding out that it's too late and she picked her boyfriend over Beth and all that but you know and and Don dying is like some kind of big Disney villain going down just it, it just didn't work because the setup was not there yeah I'm with you so um, I I wish this episode had a little more action in it frankly like you don't often hear me say that yeah. um, because The Walking Dead relies so heavily on its action pieces um but this time they didn't do that and i found myself wishing that they had just because the pieces didn't come together for those other stories yeah it's interesting because i didn't feel like this was a dull episode a lot of people in the feedback said it felt slow i felt like it was watchable throughout the whole time yeah it just it was building up to this big emotional punch that we all kind of knew was coming and that's maybe a weakness of the walking dead that we expect a big death in the finales and, Maybe. you know, I think it's not like they exclusively do that because I think yeah. d- Bob was a big death uh-huh. and he happened kind of out of nowhere, especially if you weren't a comic book fan. Um, so it's not like that they're over reliant on that. But maybe that is a thing. This this expectation of this huge finale with a, a character death and, you know, they deliver it and it's very feels very kind of rote by this by this point. Yeah. yeah. But again, I I, I like Beth. I would have been genuinely saddened by her if I'd have bought the emotional reactions of anybody. I mean, Daryl's the one that yeah, kind of got no, I, to me. Totally, his just fury. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he did the best out of ever uh, all, but there again, uh, he's got the be- the the most legwork or groundwork that they built. I mean, he's got better chemistry with her than her own sister for sure, and a much better, a stronger connection to her. So it's like it, yep. that did affect me seeing his reaction, but everybody else, it just felt. I don't know. Yeah, a, a little bit with Carol. Uh, Carol was, you know, the one holding Daryl back. So, like, Daryl obviously that felt by, it the most, and that worked by proxy because we yes. know what Carol means to Daryl, and vice versa. So, her being the one that restrained him, yeah, and something, and you know, she, the stuff that she had to do with Lizzie and Mika uh, factors into that. I think a lot of stuff was written between Daryl and Carol and Beth pretty strongly. Uh, it was pretty well done, but yeah, the stuff with Maggie and Beth just whatever yeah and we did get a we did get a lot of 
people saying, or a fair amount of people saying that they wished that Beth had lived and Carol died because they feel that Carol's arc is kind of over and she's at a good stopping spot, which I agree with that part of the take. Yeah. yeah. And Beth has so much more room to develop as a character. Mm -hmm. That's where I disagree because I feel like the deeper Mm -hmm. a character has roots, the more possibilities. Like there's so many directions you could take Carol at this point because she's got so much experience that we actually give a shit about. Yes, Beth mm-hmm. is more of a fresh, uh, you know, a, a blank slate that, you know, you could mold and, and have more interesting possibilities with. But I don't know that that Carol's someone that has no interesting possibilities left. And and this show. Yeah. And I like I don't I don't want to say that Emily Kenny is a bad actress. I don't think she is, but she's not as good as Melissa McBride is. Certainly not. Because uh, Melissa McBride is a fantastic actress. And so I'm glad that she's sticking around because I know that she will do a good job mm-hmm. with whatever they give her. Yeah, um, that's true. So I mean, I'm excited you, for that. You got to be excited for him. I think a character interdynamics, uh, yeah, uh, poss- uh, possibilities. Yeah, her and Daryl are not done yet. And her and Rick. Mm-hmm. I mean, her and Tyrese. I, yeah. I think like all these characters who those those are the core I care about and how interconnected. That's super exciting. Where Beth, it was basically the Beth and Daryl. Can she rehabilitate yeah. him and? Will they find romance? And what is the exact nature of their relationship? And is Daryl gay? And I mean, there's a lot of there, but it was that was just kind of between them. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And forget for a second that Maggie didn't really care uh, about her sister all that much until she found out she was alive. Uh, that has an interesting, interesting consequences in the future, right? Yeah. Like, how will that change Maggie? That's the thing. Like, I am, I'm excited to see what they end up doing with Maggie in the future because. Yeah. There's certainly a lot of dramatic possibilities. Mm-hmm. The way they got into it is bullshit, but I'm willing to. <laughs> but now that we're here, let's go with it. And you know, I think uh, Lauren did a great job of selling the grief at the end, even yep. though it didn't work because of the setup. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to. I mean, really start the clean slate and say yes, Maggie <laughs> is broken up and dis and, and uh, unconsolable over the loss of her sister. I calculate grief on a scale of of how much damage did they do to their knees when they were grief stricken uh, okay. so abraham abraham did plenty of damage okay abraham's on his knees Ravaged the entire knees. episode destruction of his knees maggie when she sees her sister she falls to her knees she gets a good hard knee slap on the concrete sure she's done some damage so, so that's like the reverse of the funny affected. bone you hit your elbow and it's just hilarious <laughs> you hit the knees yeah. and that's just Crying soul crushing grief mm-hmm. okay yeah Interesting reflexes you have there, Jim Jones. <laughs> anyway, we should probably get into the episode. Uh, we start off with Bob trying to get free from his cuffs and Rick running after him. Uh, I don't know how Rick found out that Bob had left. I don't gloss think, over that. I don't fact. know that Kirkman does either because okay. they had left to set up the exchange. Uh huh. And then Sasha got taken out with nobody else in the room. And then Rick is is uh, running after. He's 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 hard on yeah. the heels of the plot. He's got to catch up because the plot was blocks away. God and he's like, oh, it. shit, I'm flat footed. I got to go. Got to run people. Yep. So he gets in his car. He runs him over and uh, he shoots him in the head. And he's the only one. What do you mean? Like, it's Rick and this guy in a foot race. And that's it. Yeah. There's no Daryl. There's no Sasha. Yeah, there's this... no Tyrese. Like, that scene is really awesome. Mm-hmm. But it really doesn't belong it has no real logical connection to no, what came before or after. I, I mean, so we've gone the last couple of seasons saying, oh, these things just don't make sense. Like, one minute there's no walkers, the next minute there's 100,000 walkers coming down a road. Uh, like, 
all these inconsistencies that we think are plot holes and stuff, and we try and like hand wave them away. It's this episode that convinces me that the writers just don't give a shit about that stuff. Like, no. if you look at this coming off the the end of last episode, this makes no sense for Rick to be running after him. Uh, it makes zero sense that you can't see the snipers on the top of that building. Right, if you're going to get... Like, yeah. they just don't give a shit. That van flipping over and landing yeah. on its wheels, yeah. don't give a shit. Yeah. No, like, I... It's not a matter of, oh, well, we needed to do this and we need to put these pieces... No, they just don't care. Yeah. That's all there is to it. And, and maybe you get lucky, because I was thinking of that story um, that we were talking to... Ah, shit, what are their names? The cousins from Breaking Bad. Luis uh, and Daniel Mancada. Luis and Daniel Mancada. They're talking about the story about their, the truck explosion... Yeah. And how like it was stressed to them that you only get one chance at this and it's it's you know, you can't flinch and you gotta look like badasses and yeah. uh they only had that one truck to destroy that day. And they did it and went off with a hitch, but I also I often wonder like what would happen if one of them had because I, the urge to do so as the cousins as the brothers tell us was immense. Yeah. Like they were way closer to that explosion than you would think. It was way bigger than they were expecting. <laughs> yeah. Shrapnel is visibly flat. That wasn't CGI. Shit was mm-hmm. flying past them, landing ahead of them, and they just pull it off. I wonder if they had botched that. If they would have, if 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 they had bothered to drag another truck out there and done it again, because I think some I of this know. is just a Walking Dead gets maybe because of inexperience or whatever. Like they they drop the truck and it's like shit. That didn't look anything like what we needed to look. So I heard they did four takes on that. Yeah. On the truck drop. Right. The van drop, whatever it is. But I don't know if it's not, they don't care or that. They just don't care. I mean, the, so? the idea that there are no snipers visible at the top of that ledge yeah. is insane. Like the people, yeah, you'd think that the people on the set would be like, look, where we've stationed these people, yeah. you can just see them. <laughs> There's no doubt. They're framed against a bright blue sky. Yeah. It's silly. Uh, so. I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's going to make me resent them more for not caring, or if it's just going to make me say, "Fine, they don't care, so I shouldn't care." Well, we got a lot. We got a, we got some feedback at the end about Kirkman and not caring that we can talk about. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, perfect. Uh, <laughs> I do survive there. I do really like this this series of scenes here, though, sure. because it shows Rick as just this cold blooded killer. Uh, he, you know, his plan for the hospital was just go and kill everybody. And that is surfaced right here. Yeah. That's what he still wants to do. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, you know, what did you make of him? The sick zombie disembowelment. And that, is, that walker was... Pointless, but yes, disgusting. Very cool. <laughs> what is, what, yeah, what, is that like, just a frustration? Like, you know, he's running pell-mell and this thing's in its way and he's just going to, like, psst, lash out. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I also like this f- the fact that to make it give Rick a little bit more cold blood a little bit more antifreeze in his blood mm. uh he looks at bob's family that's still taped up to his cruiser that's right yeah like he he's doing this with the full knowledge of what you know <laughs> and like like he if, and if, the guy used to be a cop and like right rick is a cop it's, right yeah. and we think this guy's a good guy and like if rick was the one zip tied up on his knees, and he was able to talk a Gareth into, you know, he would do the body slam thing, too, regardless. That's the thing, like, mm-hmm. no one knows who the other people are in this. Like, a lot of people gave shit to Gabriel for wanting to physically verify the other member's story. That seems entirely sane to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. So, 
I don't fault Bob for I fault Sasha for turning her back on him, but I don't fault Bob yeah. for trying to do what he did. I think he's kind of a I do don't understand why he didn't stop. I guess he didn't think Rick officer friendly run him down. was going to run him down and he chose wrong yeah apparently and that the two joe blacks in three weeks i feel mm-hmm. like i i'm getting i'm getting my fill of people getting ran down on this show and this was a brutal yep. one this wasn't a flip over to debt to hood no i saw somebody put uh <laughs> have you ever played grand theft auto yeah i have you know when you get run down or killed in that game, it says wasted across the screen? Somebody did that with that shot. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I think this is also trying to show how Rick doesn't buy into... Remember, remember the old Bob? The guy who got his leg eaten off? Sure, right. Uh, he doesn't buy into that philosophy, and this is kind of... like. In my mind, the reason they named this guy Bob is not a coincidence. Sure. It's supposed to be Rick rejecting that philosophy altogether. But there again, I feel like that's sane. Like, people say, well, Rick's pointless violence. Like, no. Oh, I don't think it's pointless. Rick gave this guy the benefit of the doubt. Rick flexed on his, I'm killing everyone, every motherfucker in his hospital except for my people plan. And this guy harmed his people and trying to get away to where it would make this new peaceful plan. I don't have a problem with, and, and Rick gave him four chances to stop, to stop, to stop. Mm Mm-hmm. You're going to now, t- you know, take this wounded guy back to the hospital. Yeah, I just, I just think Rick doesn't see this as ever changing, and so he's going to be the guy that he needs to be to protect his group. Yeah, but I, I also think that he's not unreasonable about it. Yeah, like, it seems like he—that's the thing that separates him from a Gareth. Sure, is that he's willing to trust but that verify. And cannibalism. But you don't get second chances, and that feels appropriate. Sure. Like, okay, I'm going to give you a second chance to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. You've already hurt my people once. You've already tried to foil Except my Carol. Plan. She gets a second chance. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. But, we'll see. but she had to go in and kill every last motherfucker in Terminus to get that and chance. Save back. their and, lives, yeah. And Rick respects that. <laughs> okay. He respects that philosophy. Fair enough. So Gabriel leaves the church. Um he just just to complete your circle. Yeah, yeah. Uh Rick says, You can't go back, Bob. Yeah, that's something that Gareth said to him to Bob, to Bob, the yeah. Bob one several times. Mm-hmm. So I think you're on to something that they're making a statement. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence what, that they're both named Bob. It wasn't just for Sasha; it's also for a little bit of Rick benefit. Yeah. So Gabriel uh, stumbles upon the termite camp after he left the church. He sees Bob's half-eaten leg, and then some walkers bust out of the school and chase Bob back to the church, where he begs to be let back in. Uh, Instead of letting him in, or I guess while letting him in, the walkers get into the church, and they all head out through the floor again. Speaking of circles, there's a big game of musical chairs here. Musical church. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I thought it was a pretty... Uh, it, it was an image. It was serious, a serious image of those walkers storming that church. Mm-hmm. And seeing Gabriel and seeing the horror of Michonne cutting down death as it comes in through the doors of the church the lord's house where gabriel had sanctuary all this time sure uh there's there's a lot of symbolic stuff happening there uh especially (laughs) i like how they frame the shot at the end of this where uh above the the pews or above the the pulpit i guess uh it says something about he who drinks my blood has life eternal uh eats my flesh and drinks my blood yeah christ quote on the last supper and here come the walking dead not not exactly what he meant but you know there's the zombie jesus meme and yeah sure 
it all kind of comes together in a way that I I chuckled at. Uh, there's a lot of visual. I mean, they're executing on an extremely high level on some of these things. Like yeah. I really loved uh, the fact that he goes to Terminite Camp and everything seems to be confirming his worst suspicions. Oh my God, these people are read R- Rolling Stones and they play cards. And they have a Bible. <laughs> they read Rolling Stones. <laughs> yeah, right. What and does that have to do with it? Because there's normal people. Oh, okay. They're like they're not like. I he, thought you meant he was thinking, oh, these heathens. No, it wasn't they're into like their rock music. It wasn't like aquariums full of zombie heads. Yeah, yeah. or a string of human ears or anything like that. And you know, it's like oh, a Bible. It's Mary's Bible from uh, the she of the hot plate. Uh, yeah, a terminus. And there's this really nice shot of, of him looking up from the Bible to see the human foot, and then he just com- comes undone, and then the zombies <laughs> come pouring. And, and say what you about the show, the zombie men and women, stunt, stunt men and women, they commit. They do. They don't give a fuck. Like, uh, this thing breaks in front of us, I'm just going to fall on my face because a real zombie wouldn't break the fall. Yep. Uh, I I got to give props to that, and every time they have like a, a zombie waterfall, I just mm-hmm. am fascinated by how willing these people are to just take take a plunge on. And I'm sure it's not concrete; it's they got to have some kind of padding or something. But probably, but it's brutal. Yeah, the first time I remember that happening and consciously thinking about it was back when Shane was still alive. The 13 miles come, out, or and they come out of the school auditorium. Yes, and that's the original him. zombie waterfall. <laughs> zombies just pour out of that building <laughs> right on their faces. Uh. It's great. And so when they, they they finally imprison the walkers inside, and they're, like, nailing in, and very conspicuously, like, these are homemade nails. Yeah, yeah. And do you, and I thought, like, maybe they're also trying to go for this visual of that this is, like, a crucifixion. Like, these are kind of, like, Roman-style, hmm. uh, drop-forged kind of nails that would be used in something like that. Maybe. Maybe. This is, like, you know, I don't know, Gabriel's faith being crucified or... Well, it is. I mean, he comes God back being... and he's... What does he say to Michonne exactly? Like, it's worth it? Like, yeah, he I was saying before, I, I don't know if this know. is all worth yeah. it. Now yeah. he's like, it's worth it, it's worth it, save me. So uh, the one sour note here is, I think, a superior version or the... I, I, I would thought it'd be more interesting to see Father Gabriel, like I said on the instant cast, die outside his church... With people inside mm. bravely trying to save him to juxtapose his moral cowardice. In fact, this whole scene is about him being a coward. Yeah. Um, he's he's brave enough to want to be sure that these are the right people, but he's cowardly enough that once he found out they were the right people, he's going to lead like the Pied fucking Piper, every zombie from Zombieland back to the church, back to these two people... Uh, that he knows has been spending this whole time defending the you know, boarding up this church to have a young baby. Yeah. Michonne is shaking the shit like like <laughs> poor Judith back there like Yoda. Yeah, uh, and she's just she's getting axed. She's getting she's doing front flips. Yeah, she's that that baby needs a neck brace at the very least back there. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, it was pretty harsh on old Judith. I thought it was pretty funny. It's like, you know, they could have avoided all this by just giving the sack to, to Carl. Yeah. But they decided, no, we're just going to let her spin and shake and do the whirling dervish routine. To be fair, Gabriel did try to go in through the hole in the floor. And then he pushed. Yeah, so he should have committed to that. Because uh, number one, yeah. I think you could have crawled in there before the walkers got you. And yeah. once you're in, like, yes, I believe walkers could follow you in there and crawl eventually. But you're going to be able to crawl faster, and you're going to be able to get through those floorboards, and then it's game over. Yeah. 
You would know, think so. You could shut directory. You could. You it could was pretty close over that hole. You know, unless yeah. he's spry and he can get under there real quick. But he's it's a coward. He's he is. a coward, and his mm-hmm. cowardice put these people, innocent people, in danger. And that's yeah. the thing that I thought there's a lot of strong stuff, but that's the undercurrent that just didn't sit right with me. Like I, I like Seth Gilliam. Uh, I kind of like this character, but I'm kind of wanting him to be gone, be done. Well, he's had a moment where he's going to change now, and I'm interested to see how he changes. Really? Because yeah. I'm thinking like he's had several of those moments before. Well, this is the moment. I mean, he he said it out loud. Like it's all worth it. Okay. Uh, the, the he he acquiesced to Michonne's demand that uh, he kind of see them for for what they've been through. You know. Yeah. Uh, I will say that the 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 zombie split face was really cool. It was a very cool shot. Yeah. But wouldn't it be more appropriate if this was a turning moment to have Father Gabriel actually kill a walker? Like he did that by his own hand? Yeah. Yeah, it would be nice. Uh, uh, like I said, great shot. I can't that, fault it. But I would mm-hmm. feel a little bit more confident that this was a new Father Gabriel going over, going going forward. It's kind of the same sure. thing with Andrea when she accidentally shot Daryl. Yeah. It's like... How far can you push the viewers before you actively start rooting for someone to be eaten? Well, judging from my email box, <laughs> the Walking Dead author writers have managed to pass that bar of flying colors because every third person wants to see Gabriel eaten alive. Awesome. Including one host, at least, on Bald Hoof. Yeah, I think the uh, zombie kill of the week goes to the church <laughs> with that machete because <laughs> it has to, right? That was the coolest death. The coolest zombie kill by far. It's I like think. Clue, the church and the rectory <laughs> with the machete. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I'm struggling to think if there's a better one. Not not so much. Not many no. zombies ate it. Like Mm-mm. Sasha shot one in the face. Yeah, there's the gut slice at the beginning. A lot of zombies getting ran past, but not, not killed. Yeah. Uh, Michonne dispatches a lot of them, but yeah, I'll give she it She does, two. but they're pretty run-of-the-mill, you know, machete. Uh, we've seen... Her cut a zombie's head off. By the way, if you pause on that split face walker, it's horrifying. Oh, I bet. Like it's dark and all that, but it's like it's like Mm -hmm. an MRI of that zombie's skull. Yeah, (laughs) seen in cross section. All right, Rick and Daryl talk about whether their plan needs to change, and then uh, Daryl says no. They make sure that the other two hostages are on board with the plan, and they still are. They in fact come up with some excuses. You know, we we saw the guy get eaten. And they're kind of making this up on the spot to reassure Rick that they're on board. They're on board. Yeah, uh, and I, I mean, that's the thing that I totally buy about Slapdown is all these people would sell each other out in a heartbeat. Mm. They will do whatever. I mean, it seems like this whole town's currency is lying and manipulation. And yeah. it's kind of an interesting inversion from all the other towns that you know, had a different thing. Like they had a like a top down evilness, like the governor, you know, and 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 Gareth or they're all in on the but this is like they're protesting to be good, but every single one of them is a a a backstabbing shit weasel. Every yeah, single one of them. Pretty much. <laughs> and I, I think that's super interesting. And it would be I'd love to see like this hospital feels like the trajectory is it's in, it's an inevitable slide into madness and chaos. Like maybe Dawn, like each each time you go down a step in leadership, you're going to you know lose a little bit more, and they keep losing cops. I mean, how much longer can they hold on at that location? Yeah, it seems like if Rick had taken out the two cops that he met with when they had the snipers on him, 
they'd be left with like Don and a cop, like that's it, and a doctor. Are Didn't you, seem like many people were left. Are you surprised that at the end of the episode, not more people came with? Nobody went with him, right? As far as we can tell, it seems like Noah was the final guy. He did come with him, but everybody else chose to stay. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little surprised by that. For sure. Um, I mean, do you think that's some kind of like learned helplessness that you know? The, the, I think Don is not is telling the truth that everyone came comes back. Yeah, I also think you know they're probably reluctant to leave the safety of that hospital. Exactly. Exactly. Sure. And and you know Rick has got the ultimate freedom in the dictatorship, and but it's a super dangerous place. Yeah. You you can't get clean showers and clean clothes. I mean, that say what nope. you will about the hospital people. They're not covered in blood, shit, and grime. They probably smell yep. okay. That, you probably. know, as long as you stay away from the elevator shaft of doom, <laughs> it's going to be pretty sweet smelling. You can eat, get all the guinea pig you can eat. All the strawberries you want. There you go. Perfect. So Dawn tries to radio her group, but she gets nothing. Uh, makes a exasperated cry about them never answering her. Uh, then Beth asks about Captain Hansen, and Dawn tells her that he was a friend. Um, a mentor, but the people are also going to tell her horror stories about it and try and spin things against Don, which to me doesn't sound like there needs to be much spin. Like I'm, I'm getting the clear impression that Don did something, uh, she shouldn't have done with Hanson, like killed him, took him out maybe before he went completely crazy. Really? You got that impression because that's I, what I get. Yeah. I actually was thinking that this was, this episode might be Dawn taking the face turn, to use a, ref, a wrestling term. But she doesn't at the end. I know, but like even the imagery that they were using, like when she's talking to the, to Beth, her face is like half light, half in shadow, which I'm like, oh, this ah, is a redemption okay. arc. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about like, you know, how hard it was for her to kill Hanson. I did not get, I did not get your take at all. I actually thought she was trying to just explain how this guy lost his grip on reality, grip on his men. They lost respect for him and she had to do something or it was going to turn into chaos, which is in retrospect, pretty self-serving for her to say. Um, sure. I'm, I'm just where I'm wary when someone says you're going to hear some really bad shit, but don't believe it. Yeah. Like, why are people going to tell me bad shit if there's nothing bad there? But on the other hand, everyone that came forward with some bad shit accusations turned out to be even more evil than her. So that makes yeah that implies that she's yeah. right, but then she took a massive <laughs> heel turn at the end. Like she does, seemingly not. I won't say out of nowhere, but you know they did, and they yeah. Did. There's something she also says in this scene that Hanson lost his way. That's what happened, and lost respect of his men. Which that is not a reason to kill someone. I don't feel like no. okay. Maybe this group turns on itself, but you can leave. You can do something else other than kill the guy and take over the group. Well, I guess... Like, it, that's kind of where I'm coming from. What I think they said was that he stopped caring about the risks that his officers were taking going outside, and he stopped seeing them mm-hmm. as real people, and... So by killing him, she earns their respect? Well, that he was a mad... Uh, I think that he was kind of like a madman or, or reckless about it. Or, you know, it's like, I don't know, like, what kind of fucked up situation? Do you have, like, an apocalypse now where he had this guy, like, living like a king, uh-huh. sitting on a throne of wards as they fed him grapes, and he's wearing, like, a, uh-huh. you know, hospital gown? 
uh, with like a, I don't know, a bedpan for a crown. Uh, I'm, I'm getting Apocalypse Now and Di- uh, Island of Dr. Moreau confused uh-huh. <laughs> which Brando performance I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I kind of felt like that was what we got. But all that I'm making up in my head. That yeah, was yeah, not yeah. on the screen. So I don't think either one of us is, is wrong. Sure. Uh, the Walkers are about to bust out of the church. And Michonne and Gabriel are worried about that when Abraham rolls up in the fire truck and he parks the bus right against the door or parks the truck right against the door. Uh, Glenn tells Michonne that Eugene lied, which is nice. I'm glad to have a change of pace where characters get out of the truck and they immediately say some bad shit has happened and here's exactly what happened Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of like some nebulous conversation that may or may not have happened off screen. And like that bullshit doesn't fly here. Glenn goes right in. And then uh, Michonne tells Maggie that Beth is alive. So a lot of communication here, which I like to see. Uh, Mag- Maggie's performance uh, when finding out Beth is alive. Is it terrible or the best she could do under her circumstances? Yeah, it's just I, meh. I, I feel like this, the, the, her reaction to Beth's death is definitely best she could do under her circumstances. Like, I don't think you could do a better job. But there's just something off about the way she reacted and the way she reacted. With well, it's Glenn the follow up and... with Tara because Tara is the one who suggests they go after her, which it shouldn't have been right. It should have been Maggie. I yeah. get that they're trying a moment of levity, like, like let's go get her. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. But it, no, there's something, there's something that was, I felt it. like they could have done it a little bit better to help sell the end. Again, yeah. you're trying to pack an emotional payoff into 30 minutes uh-huh. that they could have used the other seven hours of the season. But I just felt like that there was a, some some emotional attachment left on the table here. Yep. Uh, and also in the scene, Gabriel says that he had to know about the school and that's why he left. Uh, so good, well, good to know his exact reason there. Um, what do you think about... Uh, someone emailed me and said, wouldn't it have been funny if... Abraham came in there without context and did that. He did, yeah. He couldn't hear the scratching. He couldn't... Like, what if Rick and company were trapped inside of those walkers and they were trying to get out and Michonne and Carl trying to figure out he just runs up and plows (laughs) into the entrance. Hey, what's going on? Yeah. Saving the fucking day again. And he's just like... Abraham, you've doomed them all to their death. And then the fire truck explodes and... (laughs) Sure, sure. Without context, Abraham... I mean, he... It'd be tough to see that door was infested uh, by zombies. Sure, there. when you're driving around a, Barreling... a, a blind corner. Uh huh. Yeah. I don't know, that's pretty funny. Anyway, Beth sees uh, one of the cops, Donald, push down an old man, the uh, the strawberry man. Yes. And then she goes to the elevator to sulk, and Don follows her there, basically to justify her decisions. She's going to have a conversation here uh, where she tells her why she's doing what she's doing and that she had to. And then Donald overhears it. And he threatens to go tell the rest of them, and then they fight, and Beth pushes him down the elevator shaft. So, a couple problems here. Yeah. First, Don says, I saved you, and this place saved you twice. Once from the time where Gorman ran you over in the middle of the woods and drug you off here. Shaky. Okay. But I'll, I'll grant you that. You did You did do a really shitty job of sewing up her forehead, and she didn't die. <laughs> uh-huh. Second, when I covered for you because you killed Gorman and what's-his-face... And I saw the jar. I saw the jar. I saw the jar. Like, 
I, I mean, I've heard the serial podcast, and I, I can see how flimsy evidence someone can be convicted in the court of law. <laughs> but there, just really, Gorman couldn't knock that jar off onto the ground in his death throes. She lifted a partial forehead print of Gorman's forehead and Beth's handprint, sent it to the non-existent crime lab, and conclusively proved that she was in the room. Do you think there might have been, like, glass embedded in Gorman's forehead or something? Like, uh, But again, maybe? he was on the desk. Like, he could have just fallen and hit his head right on that fucking jar. I mean, yeah, it's true. It seems true. extremely, extremely circumstantial evidence is all I'm saying. What I didn't understand is how Joan managed to get two people before she died. Well, so I didn't understand. How did that first one happen? So someone asked us that an email, okay. and I, I believe the way it happens is Gorman got hit first. Then Beth is coming out acting shady as shit, and she runs into Dawn and a tall... Uh, black police officer mm-hmm. uh who, who and dawn stops to talk to her and the other guy just keeps going to her office ah. like and you can see him receding background and taking that corner so the implication is he comes in and gets blindsided by the joan zombie or maybe gorman's now in on it too, yeah both of them and gets gang banged by him so yeah. that was because I, I had to look it up but that name actually tracks through it's there's a walking dead wikipedia article about him yeah, it's extremely okay. short, but it's got a picture, <laughs> a blurry picture of him. Yeah. Like a Bigfoot style, because all they've got is like this background <laughs> thing that they've blown up for his port- portfolio. Yeah. <laughs> and we're supposed to care about that when Beth kills him. No, it's weird how they, they did that a couple times. They they dropped people's last names uh, of minor characters that we haven't really seen for five episodes and expected people to make those connections. Yeah. I just didn't care, so I just like, okay, whatever. And I don't think they're necessary. No, you don't have to to enjoy this a lot, but I thought it was interesting that they did that. Um, No, I think there's one scene. um, Is it this scene, too, where she's talking about... No, it's it's later on where they're talking about who got used by who. Yeah. um, yeah. So so I'll wait on that. What did you think about the fight between um, Dawn and Officer Asshole here? Pretty good. Pretty good. I liked it. Yeah, I I was surprisingly born identity-esque. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was brutal, it was vicious, it was well-shot action, um, believable. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason Dawn's still leading these assholes, right? Yeah, she's capable. It makes you wonder why she hasn't put her foot down about some of this more awful stuff. All in the name of keeping yeah. this running. It's about, for her, it's about respect, which she says over and over again. So, if she doesn't have the respect of her men, she has nothing. This whole thing's going to fall apart. So maybe if she were tried to try to enforce rules that they didn't agree with, everyone goes after her, not just Donald. But it seems like there was as many good... I don't know. I mean, the officers that Rick caught... Yeah. It seemed to be implied that they're the good ones. But how good, right? Yeah. Like they're, they're not good enough to put up a fight with all the shit going on around them in this hospital. But they're following chain of command. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it seems like you're going to... If you're going to... There's chain of command, and then there's right and wrong. And you have to stand up for your principles and your convictions at some point. You can't just say, well, I threw the Jews in the oven because I was commanded to. Well, fuck you. Right, that's a war crime. You knew better, yeah. Swing from the gallows, do not pass go, do not collect $200. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I just feel like that that's a little bit of the the problem, and that they're trying to paint this in shades of gray, and like, oh, it's got respect to men. It's like, well, which men are you trying to get the respect for? Yeah, yeah. You're a female cop with other female cops and are allowing people to rape and make jokes about it, apparently, and bully old men 
Yeah. And the only time you're actually going to do anything about it is when they directly threaten you. <laughs> like, yeah. that doesn't make sense. I don't know. I'm inclined to gloss over some of the the pricklier details of this thing. Yeah. What do you think uh, about Beth? Uh, Beth, get out of the way. She interprets that as to move directly into the line of fire. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Beth, what are you doing? I get it's a hallway. Where's she really going to go? She's probably but... as far out of the way. When maybe this is... Maybe this is um, Dawn's problem. She told her to get out of the way when she's already as out of the line of fire yes. as she possibly can get in a narrow hallway. That's the thing. And Beth is thinking, well, she wants me to move, but yeah. I'm already out of the way. I she's guess I'll... Like, this doesn't make sense, but I'm Doodlebug. What do I know? <laughs> the other thing that really doesn't make sense in this hallway, you got a drop ceiling. Use it. Use it. Yeah. Why did they have wires running across the ceilings here? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's it's a drop it seems ceiling. like that's walking dead shorthand for rigged up. Yeah, it's walking dead shorthand for this is a zombie apocalypse. Because I guarantee if the lights were on and there weren't any fucking conspicuous power people uh, power lines people would be like uh, how are they generating power for the whole fucking hospital? Gotcha. So those wires tell you there's a generator somewhere yes. that is just barely on the edge of yes. working. Yes, okay. yes. That's that's code word for we're running this thing with car batteries and jumper cables. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they did it in Woodbury, and I really they liked did, it. They did, yeah. That worked really well. But yeah. here I was like, mm, drop ceiling people. Yeah. Well, but on the other hand, it's tacked up out of the way, and, you know, I don't yeah. know. Just seems like more effort I'm not to a tack licensed, it up. I'm not a licensed post-apocalyptic electrician. <laughs> Neither <so>. am I. <laughs> anyway, Beth is waiting for Carol to wake up when Dawn comes in, and uh, Beth says that Dawn was protecting herself by uh, covering all this up, and she wanted those cops gone but didn't want to kill them. Uh, and Dawn's trying to defend herself, and Carol wakes up. Carol or Carol stirs. She doesn't really wake up in that. Oh scene. my God, zombie Carol! It's on yeah, the table. You never know. Eugene could still be a zombie. Uh, I'm convinced that Carol's a zombie now because her legs are working fine or she doesn't care about the pain. Right. Uh, so then, do, do you want to talk about this scene or should we keep Not moving? Not particularly. Okay. Tyrese tells Sasha that he lied about killing Martin. Uh, I think that was his name, right? Baseball cap guy? Yeah, trucker hat, chewing gum. Yeah. Uh, he you says, know him and love him. He says uh, it's because he's still the same as he was before all this, but Sasha says that she can't be. She's still affected by, by the Bob's death quite a bit. Do you think that this is ever going to pay off? Like, she'll make the connection that if you weren't such a pussy, Tyrese, Bob might still be alive because, you know, Martin... I don't know. That's ...wouldn't a good be question. able to tell them about the connection, and, you know, they... they... She doesn't seem to digest it here, certainly. <laughs> digest on a Bob reference, Jim? That's a, that's, that joke's in <laughs> entirely poor taste. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I... I it feels like this needs to pay off more because that's the first conclusion. And I thought the way Sasha kind of had that cold reaction to it, that, oh, mm. God, she's going to give it to him. Like, you know, maybe if you'd manned up and killed this dude um, when he tried to snap a baby's neck, <laughs> uh, Bob wouldn't have gotten snatched. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I guess they didn't really lose anybody in the resulting attack. But if, if, if imagine if somebody had died. Like, you know, one yeah. extra guy at the gun can mean a lot in a small fight like this. Oh, yeah. So I I don't know. I feel like that this needs there needs to be some more here. Tyrese needs a kick in the goddamn ass, balls, or tits, whatever All it takes. All of the above. Uh to get him to snap out of this thing. And I Seppenwall, it's interesting. Seppenwall's been really high on this season until the last two episodes, and he's come down like, like oh. the wrath of God. 
Whereas okay. I think you and I are more guarded. Like for, season premiere was awesome, but boy, yeah. we're kind of worried about what's going to happen. And as a consequence, we're a little bit more circumspect about the last two episodes. Yeah. But he was talking about how it's an, it's a neat inversion of your expectations that Chad Coleman, this powerful bruising, um, yeah. you know, f- f- charismatic man is playing like a borderline pacifist. But I think they've gone too far in that direction. 16, it's like roughly, uh, other than him losing, well, I'll say the last eight episodes for sure. I feel like eight episodes is enough to get that out of your system. And the visual gag of Chad Coleman, fuzzy teddy bear, should be over. I need to see, uh, you know, Chad Coleman, unstoppable killing machine. Yeah, and I could buy Chad Coleman, fuzzy teddy bear, who's willing to kill when absolutely necessary. I don't buy Chad Coleman, fuzzy teddy bear, who is unwilling to kill in any circumstance. It's almost unbelievable that he didn't just beat that guy to death in his rage. Yeah, yeah. Like he kicked him out of his cabin to be ripped apart by zombies, threatening an infant uh-huh. that we know he cares about. Like I <laughs> genuinely was kind of shocked that it turned out that he didn't kill Trucker Hat. I was too. Yeah, when um, he, especially when he lied about it. So I, you know, we, I, I don't. This that's just rapidly becoming a very annoying character trait. Yeah, uh, I, I felt like they went into the Sasha and Bob stuff a little too early. Like maybe she needed a couple more weeks. Like maybe we sh- this should have been the first glimpse we got of her trying to deal with it. Because like the the episode after, I was kind of surprised to see her already talking with Tyrese about it and hugging it out. You know, that was surprising to me. Well, the other thing uh, is that I just I keep on feeling like this is just the corner we turned. You know, he killed Martin. Well, shit, he didn't kill Martin. Uh, he's able to stick Bob in the head with a knife and you do this. But now he's preaching this, you know, hey, you know, we've never really changed you and me. And hmm. and I, I'm still this gentle giant guy. And I don't like what that says for season 5.2. Yeah. Like, I'm really getting tired of this particular <laughs> Tyrese. Maybe Carol will talk some sense into him. Look, Tyrese, you got to kill sometimes. Yeah. You got to kill. Yeah. It's like maybe like it, when when Father Gabriel looks at him and is like, <laughs> look, dude, you need to start swinging a machete. Uh-huh. That's when we'll know that that plot line's jumped a shark. Yep. All right. So the cops roll up to the lot where Rick is going to meet him. Actually, he's not there to meet them specifically. They roll up to their parking lot and he they don't know that he's going to be there. Uh, and when they see him, they get out. They point Whoa, their guns. what? Parking this... lot? That's a parking. That's just some parking garage, right? Yeah, that's, that's attached to the hospital. That's where all the cop cars are parked. Yeah. Oh, a bunch of cop cars are parked there. Okay. All so right. I I assume that like, because how else would he contact them and say, hey, we want? Well, like, he has the radios. He only has three of the officers' radios, but he has three other vests, and he's not using those. So granted, <laughs> he's apparently not using their equipment very well. Uh, yeah, so he meets them there, and he offers this exchange, which they accept reluctantly after being sniped at by invisible snipers. Um, then we go... Did you want to talk anything about that? Yeah, I mean, there's okay. a couple of things. Uh, I really like the camera work with the pink flag, which I was wondering if like, you know, if, if a red flag... Yeah, what's that all about? So like a, a, a white flag is a sign of truce and parlay. Yep. A uh, red flag is a sign, you know, I don't know what that's a sign of, it's but I'm, you, that's like I a think. bloody, bloody, you know, bloody flag, <laughs> bloody shirt, whatever. It's like a yeah. bellicose symbol. 
like a pink flag? Or is that like trying to show that Rick is trying to toe this line between what mm. he wants to do, which is just go in guns bla- blaring and get his people versus what he thinks is the right thing to do, which is to parlay with these people and, and try to end this bloodlessly. It's an interesting take. I, I saw it as a red flag, but now that you mention it, he is not completely in red flag mode here. He's trying to play out the scenario with Tyrese and Daryl where nobody gets hurt. So you're right. There is a mix of kind of uh, Rick and Daryl and Tyrese in this. Uh, I, I did know. I did love how lovingly Rick lays old Petunia on the ground. Yeah. Doesn't want to scratch it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're there, sweetheart. It'll be all be over soon. Um, and the tactics of the scene are all wrong. Rick Totally, yeah. Rick has complete uh, say over the time and place of engagement. Mm-hmm. He gets his snipers set up directly behind him, so if they start returning fire, he's going to be in the line of fire. Also, the angle at which the officers have to look at him, uh-huh. which they might, if the snipers weren't invisible, they would definitely see them on the top of the building. Sure. Yeah, and, it's bad. I mean, like, the, the thing to do, and, and just having your snipers together, yeah. where they could be picked, you know, like, you, they can be suppressed by a single person shooting at them. Yeah, like, or they can even both be seen at the same time. Yeah, and, like, one shoots, I mean, like, I, it just seems like it's pretty obvious that Rick should be in front, and, you know, and, and the sniper should be on the sides, so they've got them in yeah. a, a, a crossfire. Yeah. So if the snipers start shooting, the officer's reaction is going to be to draw, be drawn to that sound, and then mm-hmm. that spares Rick. I mean, I just it's just <laughs> the little things where it's like, is nobody is. on this show thinking like, wow, they've got and they had radios because you saw like Tyrese like radioing Rick. They could have done that yeah. a little bit better. I, I just feel like that, and it would have been cool. It'd have been a lot cooler, the, and I wouldn't be bitching about this for two minutes. Yeah, there's no excuse. In my mind, for the invisible snipers, right? Th- that alone, when you when you leave out the tactics, the invisible snipers, just not having them in the shot. Yeah, these guys from the waist up are standing at this little half yeah. wall, but then when we look at it from the officer's perspective, they're invisible. It, they just don't care. They yeah. just don't care. You're right, man. <laughs> You're right. So Beth then and, stops, and, and neither do 17 million people. I care. I care. That's why I talk about it on a podcast. No, we're the point. We're the point two three. Us and everybody else that that you know would just 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 a few tweaks, a few tweaks, (laughs) and this show would be amazing. Yeah. No, it really would. Uh, Okay, so we go back to Beth. She's stuffing some scissors in her cast before the meetup. Uh, I will talk about this scene later. I will talk about this scene when it plays out. When the scissors come back out. That's very quickly. Okay. They meet in the halls of the hospital to make the prison exchange. Uh, goes off without a hitch until Don demands Noah back, and then they uh, reluctantly Noah volunteers because he sees it's the only way to save these people. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> uh, Beth tries to kill Don, and the group finishes the job, and then the hospital people ask Rick to stay. He says no, but you can come with us, and they say no. <laughs> and Everyone stays exactly where they were before. No, I, except for I, Beth, who was in a pool of her own blood. I love Rick's face when when she's trying to alter the deal, and he's like, "The deal is done. <laughs> yeah. You have your two people. I have my two people. Fuck you, lady." I I so wish that Noah hadn't stepped up because I want to see what comes of that. Why did Noah step up? Because he's trying to prevent the bloodshed. He's trying to save these people from from violence. So we're supposed to believe that the her officers are just going to open fire with her in front of them. 
Like it just potentially. I mean, I don't know. That that's another thing. I mean, it, I already talked about it at length at the instant cast, but just the fact that Rick goes into the heart of the hospital, like not the not yeah. the parking garage, mm-hmm. not the little entry courtyard, it, up in its guts, up six flights of stairs in that narrow ass hallway, which is just a killing field. Yeah, seems ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It, I, I don't know. Eh. That's okay. I, I have serious questions about when Beth decided to kill Dawn, why she had scissors in the first place, all of that. We have so, a million great takes about that. In we do? Okay. Feedback. I'll I'll leave it for then. Um, I, I don't have much else to talk about in this scene, if that's the case. Okay. So should we move on? Uh, Sure. I think we talked about... I think we talked about yeah Carol calming Daryl and being all that. Well, so, Carol, uh, yeah, Carol standing up is uh, sure. Do you think uh, so? The one thing I want to ask you that didn't get covered in any any emails is: Do you think that Dawn knew the truth about Officer Bob? Or obviously she didn't know, but she suspected it because when uh, her officer said the truth about him, the fact that, truth. the fact that he got killed by Rick and not by Walker. Oh, okay, yeah, because her the. I felt like it was very skeptical how she treated the testimony from her officers and the way she said, oh, you know, like, like that's mm. unfortunate. And then there was a little bit about why she pulled this shit over Noah. It seemed like it was like her doing mental calculus about whether she's losing face in front of her men. It is, yeah. And not only that, but like the fact that if anyone can just go... Mm-hmm. then my whole system falls apart. All these wards that are here because I got this company store situation, this this slavery fiefdom, whatever the hell it is, are going to walk out the door as well. Yeah, and so, it's not even just that. It's also the fact that Noah left and then came back, and she's making that point. Like, it is so much worse out there that here's Noah, and he's back, and he wants back in this hospital. Well, except... She's rubbing that in. But she, he wasn't, clearly. I, I mean, know, but in her twisted head, it feels so? like that's also the play she's making. Yeah, You think so? Because I, I wonder like, if the opposite is true, that if, if, if her point is ever proven wrong, that someone did prefer living outside, as dangerous as it is, to her crazy-ass hospital, that that would also crumble her. I mean, her yeah, power yeah. base is so fucking fragile. Yeah. Any, any little thing. You like give it a swift kick, and it's going to fall down in who knows what direction. But mm. it just feels like that her... That her change of heart at the end, even though it was ridiculous, it's just it was her frantically trying to do the math in her head to decide which what she can do to keep this place running. Yeah, or maybe she's just super so. vengeful about Beth losing Beth. She's it's, seen... it's a little of both. I saw it compared to um, Django Unchained, where the oh boy. the the dude at the end shoots Leonardo DiCaprio, even though like he didn't necessarily have to, and and Leonardo DiCaprio just wanted him to say, yeah, I win and you lose. And that's kind of what it felt like here, too. Like, to Beth, th- there, there was this weird change, okay, I know change you're, of, you're of power. You're not talking about Django, but the, the German doctor. Yeah, yeah. All he had to yeah. do was was admit that he'd won or gotten the better of him, and they could all walk out their lives. And then but... if he wanted revenge, come back for it later. You know? Sure. Where, where it felt like that's kind of what she was doing, the Leonardo DiCaprio thing, where... I want you to get on your knees and tell me I was right and right. kiss my boots, right? Because I'm I'm evil villain. Yeah, uh, and I, I read this on Reddit and it it made a lot of sense. If Don really is a bad person, 
which I think there's more to the the Hansen thing than we are. And you might meant be right up after watching this episode, sure. Then I think that makes perfect sense, you know. She's the kind of person who doesn't just want to lead, but she wants other people to know she's the leader. Uh and it's it's kind of evil in that way. It kind of puts the um her shrine to the slain officers in context too. That yeah, like, that's she's, interesting. Like like she's overcompensating. Yeah. <laughs> by talking to what a good friend. I mean, she's even got Gorman up there. I mean, I'm assuming. Yeah. I, she... I believe there was the picture and the one guy's badge and 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 name tag, Hansen. Now there's two more. So it's like, and mm. those two guys didn't, well, at least Gorman didn't belong up there at all. Didn't belong to be enshrined at all. So no. maybe she's lying about the whole damn shooting match. Yeah. And it felt like that because her tone changes so rapidly at the very end with Beth, like when Beth is giving the hug to Noah for her to to say goodbye, she then rubs it in and says they always come back. And I guess that to me is something that an evil, vindictive person does, not someone who's barely holding on to the authority that she has. How perceptive do you think Beth is at the end? I mean, we she started as an extremely naive character, but I feel like she's fairly perceptive. Yeah, she's grown a lot. Whatever Dawn said moved her to try to lash out at her in an almost uncontrollable way. So I, to the extent that I trust Beth's instincts, Jesus, (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying that. I I think that's telling too, that that was her her reaction. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on. Uh, We'll talk about this more in the feedback section. So Abraham's group goes to the hospital to find Beth, but Maggie's bummed because she's dead. Daryl comes walking out with her. Uh, she's she's bummed. Yeah, she's bummed. You know, as bummed as she was when she found out that her sister is gone. Uh, maybe a little more bummed. Anyway, the I, the Walking I, Dead. I, I love. I mean, and again, this makes me a bad person. I know, but when I saw and I saw how hopeful Maggie was as everybody's coming out the hospital, you're you're laughing. You're. I was. This. I was just, and I was like, I was literally like, oh, suffer. I want you to suffer, Maggie Green. Uh, yep. I, I just, I don't know. That was the reaction I had. It was, it was both uh, me really wanting, like, like, like I was sipping a shot glass yeah. of angel tears. Yeah, you're Cartman telling, yes. telling the so Scott, salty, so Scott, sweet. whatever. That, yeah, uh-huh. he's eating his parents, like that kind of shit. And, and it, was, it. it was a combination, of be, like just finding it, the situation hilarious that this, you know woman who has not so much as inquired after her sister for eight episodes yeah is now losing her shit about it when it's too late mm-hmm. um with just the hopelessness that lauren cohen was thrown into that with yeah it's it's also meta yeah there's two layers there yeah and the kirkman saying well this is all going to pay off and be worth it and oh, all that come and on then, come on yeah uh I it didn't the thing work for me. The thing that struck me at the end of this episode when I started thinking about it uh, is how much more bleak The Walking Dead just got. Like, think about, think about what happened in this season. So you've got Eugene, who had this mission to Washington, D.C., which was kind of the driving force for everyone thinking things might get better. You had some hope. You had some hope. You had... The Optimist, Bob and Beth, are both fucking dead at the end of this. There's nobody saying it'll get better anymore. Uh, Tyrese has kind of become that, but 
in this weird way that nobody gets. And nobody likes. Uh, Sasha's devastated. Maggie's devastated. Darryl, Rick's a cold-blooded killer. Like Daryl was shit. jumping on the uh, pacifist train, uh-huh. and I don't think he's there anymore. No, no, I don't think so. So, I mean, shit just went bad this season. I mean, Bob alone. Bob dying alone. He was the glimmer of hope in this group, and now he's gone. There's a... There's a certain amount of dramatic storytelling possibilities that this brings. Yeah. Rick's, Rick's group being at the end of their rope as far as patience for dealing with anybody's shit. Yeah, yeah. They can't go into because I know where the comics end up going, and I don't know if that's what they're going to do, but like, I just can't make observations without that possible. What do you think? And you haven't read... like We're way past. Like You never made it through the, con- no, the, the prison issue. Not so you're, prison. you're virginal. But I'm not because I've been in part of all these spoiler sections. Oh well, okay. so I don't want to talk too much about it either. All right, well, well but we, I, we'll I, have a rollicking discussion in the spoiler, and I'm sure next definitely. week too. I definitely am curious what it's going to do to Tyrese and Daryl because their plan was that nobody gets hurt, and that didn't turn out like that. Sure, um, sure. And Rick's plan might have gone off without a hitch. We don't know, right. but I'm sure he could say, "Look, this was your fault, guys." Yeah. This I wanted not to do on things. Me. This is not on me. Yeah. This is on you. So how is that going to affect them? And I'm interested to see how all these characters are affected now. A lot of consequences going into the second half of this season. Yeah. Rick should have promised strawberries. He would have gotten a lot more recruits <laughs> at the end. For sure, yeah. If he offered black market strawberries. Yep. Uh, and then after the credits, we find Morgan again. He's following symbols. He finds the church, and he finds the map that points him toward Washington, D.C., uh, and he and he specifically knows this is Rick Grimes. I'm on the trail of Rick. And he didn't before. Is the no? He the, didn't. Is yeah. is the sense that I got that he was genuinely shocked slash delighted slash this is answer to my prayers. Uh huh. Um. And Morgan's an interesting wild card because I have no idea what kind of character he is. I know that I, you know, again love Lenny yeah. James and he can really bring the intensity. Uh, <laughs> and. Uh-huh. We know kind of how unhinged he was the last time, and has he has his psychological well being improved? You know, very good question. It's like, uh, yeah, are we going to get, or are we going to get a truly, truly insane Morgan when he comes back? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. I mean, he's still mm-hmm. holding on to Judeo Christian trappings. He and- didn't say clear once. I was kind of expecting him to when he got to the one walker that he, you know, he, he kind of looked away and said a few words. I thought he's going to be like cleared, mm. you know, or like have him running through like Michonne style. Cleared, 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 you know. Uh, yeah, I wonder. I wonder if he's given that up. Yeah. He's become this OCD clearer who goes and stabs zombies five OT3 times. clear? Where did Scientology come into this whole discussion, Jim? <laughs> yes. I don't know. I don't know. His thetans are very high, though. You can tell just by looking <laughs> at him. His body thetans are yeah. off the fucking charts. He needs an e-meter and an auditing <laughs> stat. For sure. All right, that's the end of the episode. Uh, what do we have for pimping? So we had a bombshell dropped on us last week, Jim. We did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Empire struck back. <laughs> Bezos uh, with his uh, empire beyond beyond the, uh, the Midwest coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, unilaterally... Chopped the legs off my book sales. Yeah, I cut it down from three to one dollars. Is that right? Yeah, I mean yeah. That, that that's I took it right in the commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what? I'm like, hey, it's fan friendly. Don't give a fuck. You know what's surprising? We got a lot of outpouring of support. You know, mm-hmm. people buying my book, people giving me positive reviews, people uh, saying that they're stealing as much copper as they can this this Christmas shopping season. 
most surprising audible the uh, the 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 books on tape people the books the digital the, the spoken word people. on tape is this 1987 it's not, it's not on cd it's digital okay. it's digital it's spoken word they they read books to you mm-hmm. uh even though they're an amazon company horrified to hear yeah. how just copper mad bezos is gone yeah uh they reached out say you know what what can we do to support you guys i'm like you know uh ad campaign yeah Give us got get offset the, the copper loss. That, yeah, pennies that Bezos doesn't get his hands on it at all. Yeah, it just yeah. bypasses them way upstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the interesting thing is, uh, I, I love Audible and uh, I'm a customer. Yep, I just recently got done reading Slaughterhouse Five, and if you've never read the book before, I I really like to encourage you because it's awesome. It's one of the first books that blew my mind in like a 1984 level. Yeah, I've just. I just compl- just loved it, and it's like a book that's that's it's set as a survivor, a tale of a survivor from the bombing of Dresden in World War II, mm-hmm. but also has this interesting science fiction plot angle, and it's told completely like Memento style, where you flash forward and back, and you go like this, you live this guy's life from the time he's a baby to the time he's an old man, and it's fascinating. It's written by Kirk Vonnegut. Uh, the audiobooks read read by Ethan Hawke. Okay, the uh, you know famous yeah. actor Gattaca. Gattaca wasn't he in <laughs> Dead Poet Society too? Probably snow yeah. snow falling on cedars. Uh, does an sure. excellent job. Uh, and if you've read the book, what well, great thing about Audible, a lot of people don't know, is it's not just books on there. There's got tons of spoken word format stuff. For example, I found a 30 minute interview with Kurt Vonnegut before he died about oh. Slaughterhouse Five. So Sweet. even if you read the book, you can you can get him that way. Uh, Jim, how can they get a free trial of, of Audible? All you have to do is go to audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove. Uh, you, you can go there, sign up. You get a free trial book. Um, That's a yeah. free, just a free book, period. Yeah, just a free book uh, hey. during your trial period of yep. your account. Your first 30 days are free. Uh-huh. Um, and then beyond that, you you know, you pay the rates. But you get you get a cool free book, and that's a great suggestion. I haven't actually read that. You but, ought to. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Kurt Vonnegut himself. I think uh, he was a rogue and a scholar. That's sort yeah. of deal. Um, it's and it's so it's, I like it's, it's a short, surprisingly short read. It kind of on the timeline of 1984. You could pro- oh, okay. probably polish it out four or five hours. I think uh, Ethan does it in like four and a half. All right. So and he's easy easy to listen to. And there's like all the kinds of those great interviews and um tons yeah. of stuff well they have a, and, just a ton of other stuff too I and mean, if you're a history just... buff like that's one thing like i've like continually using that uh because dan carlin's an audible guy too yeah yeah and you know we're big fans of his hardcore history uh, he's always shouting out really cool history books and and speeches and like yeah. you know recordings made that are like first person accounts of things and this that's just Tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. So many things. Over 150,000 things. That's I think. just books. I yeah. mean, I don't think that counts all the other stuff. It so might not. It's, 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 it's amazing. Yeah. So just go to audiblepodcast.com slash bald move. You get a free book. Check that out. So do we have some feedback to talk about? Oh, so much feedback. So much feedback. Um, I'll start off with uh, Patience B. Sent it in hours after her last podcast finished airing. She said, So I know this is too late for feedback, but I have a theory. No one else brought it up, so I'd like to share. I think Eugene is faking being unconscious for so long. It's definitely given Abraham time to cool down. Manipulating people around him to stay alive is his MO, after all. <laughs> it's funny because someone made that joke on Facebook. I thought it's hilarious that, like, Eugene is pretending to be asleep mm-hmm. to keep Eugene, Abraham from beating on him. But Patience had it called. 
Yeah, how how long can he do this? How long can a human being stay in a coma? No, how long can he pretend to be in a coma? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, years, right? Like, it's just, uh, I I don't know. Maybe he'll, uh, you you know, anytime like a plate of ribs wafts by, he just like, you know, he wakes (laughs) up, there's barbecue speared all over his face. (laughs) And then, uh, like, people are like, what the hell? And he starts mumbling, well, you know, actually, coma people can respond to to, uh, olfactory stimulus. Uh Uh-huh. Mouth water, they can they can drool uncontrollably, and, <laughs> and then and he like, drools. What? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Is, is that Eugene? Who said that? Anyway, uh, going back to the feedback bag, John M from Boston says, "Hey, feel like you guys didn't use your noggins on this one. This is feedback from last episode. Fuck you. Oh, wait." I didn't even realize those men under pole were power company workers, but when you question how it could possibly have happened in feedback, I thought it was pretty obvious. Point of fact, John. I read this email. He's right. It was it was a a a listener who raised the question. I wasn't particularly we didn't bothered even by think it. About it. We didn't think about thinking about it, and then someone <laughs> asked us to think about it, and we our thirty seconds of hamster brain came up with this. Uh, it goes. I thought it was pretty obvious. The workers climbed the pole to escape some zombies, but the pole fell because it was overburdened. You're that guessing that's right. supposed to have three people on a pole at once. Well, I don't know that it's so much that as the zombies maybe pushing it over as well, helping it along a little bit. My problem, so now that I've thought about it an additional 30 seconds, my problem with his theory is, doesn't it seem like if the walkers are waiting at the bottom and they push push these guys down, that they would be like largely eaten? Instead, seems like they it. just seem like they were crushed by the pole. So, uh, yeah. not a bad mm. theory, John, but I'm not sure it's airtight. Got as many holes as the uh. netting of their jackets. Uh, Jake from Tallahassee said, Out of all the things wrong with this finale, I have to shit on Tyrese's arc. <laughs> he lies about killing trucker hat hillbilly, which could have set something interesting uh, for later. Nope. Carol doesn't find out that Tyrese lied to her face. Instead, Tyrese tells his sister, That guy that was eating Bob, I could have killed him, but I didn't. It's like when we were kids. Sasha has no reaction to the reveal that one of the guys that was eating Bob was alive because of Tyrese. That entire arc went nowhere. Tyrese lied and indirectly led to the grilling of Bob, and now he's trying to make Sasha a self-righteous pussy like he is. I don't think it's over. I don't think it's over yet. On the other hand, do you have faith that they'll be addressed in no, this half season? No, no, I don't have faith in anything The Walking Dead does anymore. I mean, that's I just the, feel like they're warming up. Like. You know, I, we got a fair... It seems like it comes in waves. We got a fair amount of, you guys just love to shit on a show for any reason because that's your bag. <laughs> I actually think it's the opposite way because there's more than one occasion where we're like, hey, we don't know where this is going yet. Uh, I'm sure that at least half the times that doesn't pay off and we're way too lazy to go back or keep track of the, the, <laughs> the slack that we've given them so we can yank it back. So, like, I feel like we're fairly fair and balanced and also we're just being honest. God damn. Yeah. We, do we see when we love the show, the show, we love the show. When the show disappoints us, we yeah, give go back, a shit. go back to the first episode of this season and tell us what you think about or our... episode five hundred six. I love that show. Sure, yeah. Anyway, uh, good take there, Jake. Faye H says, "I'm here watching the Talking Dead, and Kirkman compares Daryl's search to Beth to his search for Sophia. Basically, the hospital arc was Sophia two Another young blonde girl goes missing, and the big bad hunter with the heart of gold can't save either one. He's got a thing for blondes? Is that what he's saying? I thought Sophie was a redhead. Strawberry blonde, to say the least. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Maybe this is why Maggie didn't give two shits about her sister. The story was never intended to be about her and not really about Bob or their relationship. It's all about Daryl's man pain. 
We're only five seasons in, and they're already rehashing storylines, which I call bullshit. And Tyrese free, finally admits to purposely leaving Martin alive. In the past, Chad Coleman said that Tyrese thought Martin was dead. Do you think Chad was lying or didn't know the truth until he got the script for Coda? Jim, your opinion. Uh, I could see the actor not knowing. I could definitely see the actor not knowing and not being told. I don't think they were still filming when he was doing an interview. My my thing is, oh, that's right, yeah. I I feel like that actors lie all the time, or they don't know things about their own character. He's been hanging or, out with Kirkman too long, or they make shit up about their own character. Like it's really bad yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on Mad Men, where I've seen like John Slattery give an art give an interview about Roger Sterling's motivations that are directly contradicted by the episode I just watched. And Matthew Weiner is just runs a, he, he just runs a, a pack of liars and thieves over there uh, yeah, at his studio. Pretty much. And I think I'm getting a little bit, you know, I, I we get some behind the scene industry gossip and rumors, and I'm not going to name names or anything, but I will say that this particular production staff seems a little chippy, seems a little thin skinned as far as criticism goes, mm-hmm. willing to unreasonably lash out on outlets that criticize. Now, we're not talking us because we never get stars. This is why. Yeah. Because I like to be able to say shit like this and not worry about Kirkman saying, well, guess what? That interview Larry Gillard Jr., gone. <laughs> but I do know people yeah. that have had that experience, completely an unreasonable experience as well. Sure. So I could see this staff starting to become like paranoid and and, and putting out disinformation and just out and out making shit up, which is another reason why I think it's a mistake to let the talking dead, not the podcast, the TV show, uh, just fill in details for you. Yeah. 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 You know, talking dead is part of the problem for these actors. Like I don't totally blame the actors because they are forced out into these publicity, uh, stunts or these pub these publicity uh grabs where they have to be interviewed for hours on end by the press and on tv and everything they say is going to be taken as gospel it's hard not to get yourself into a position where you're saying things that don't turn out to be true especially if you're talking about between seasons and especially if you are are the people sternly say you cannot talk about spoilers yes so then you're either forced to laugh and joke your way out of it right and try not to say anything at all but when pressed what do you do yeah i don't know you either make shit up which i think they do every once in a while because there's just so much talking they have to do kind of like we do here at the podcast we have to make shit up every once in a while uh and that's a tough position to be in so i don't really blame the actors for this i do blame the creators of the show when they do that shit right because they don't have to go on these these they kind of do they kind of do i like Matt, do I don't. I don't think Matthew Weiner particularly enjoys having to talk to the press. He'd rather just. But like, he so rarely talks to the press. I know, and I think the times he does is when like probably AMC or who is Sony the producer for Mad Men. I don't know. Like basically says you got to fucking get out there, Matt. Probably. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. But when you've got like the most popular show on the planet, right? You want all your dudes out there talking sure. about it, and the fans love it. I mean, they do make. The one thing I enjoy about The Walking Dead is they do make it a point that they are a fan-oriented show, and they do seem to do a lot of really awesome things with fans, like the Walker Stalker Con and 
and San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff around this show that's cool. They make a lot of games. They do the second screen experience stuff. Like I, I think the cast genuinely loves each other. The Talking Dead itself, I think, is a great idea. Sure, sure. The execution sometimes leaves a little bit to be desired, but sometimes. And I do buy that. Like you know, Emily um, being oh, really yeah. emotional, and like the, we read an article in the spoiler section about Norman Reedus just saying he had to spend an hour weeping before he filmed that scene because he didn't, you know, he, I, I thought, now that I saw the scene, I thought that was handled because yep. Daryl yep. just bawling wasn't nearly as badass as, like, him blinking through tears as he executes somebody. Yeah. So he had to have the right amount of motion, and I think these people do. I mean, they this is probably not the easiest shoot in the world, mm-hmm. and it's pretty grueling, and they have to scream and run and yell a lot. And that's the kind of stuff that makes you bond. <laughs> and they all seem like really likable, they genuine do. people, too, when I've, met, when I've uh, gotten to interact with them. so Yeah, for sure. Anyway, uh, we'll just move on. Okay. Uh, Tim from Melbourne says, Do you think the death of Beth will send Daryl more towards Rick's way of thinking? After making mistakes and suffering losses, Rick is now the ultimate badass. Daryl is beginning to lean more towards the nice guy pacifist camp. I think he'll blame himself for Beth being abducted and therefore dying. This will make him harder and less inclined to trust people. With him, uh, with him and Rick of this mindset, and also Abraham, probably angry and more brutal than ever, it should make for one mean motherfucking crew. <laughs> uh, do you agree with Tim's analysis? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this ties into the, you know, we asked this question, do we think this is going to change, Daryl? Uh, you know, after all the predictions I've made, specifically one regarding Carol's death this time. Uh, I'm reluctant to say exactly how it's going to change Daryl, but I think if it doesn't change Daryl, that would be surprising. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I feel like that that does seem like a logical way for him to go, is to say, okay, Tyrese, your plan didn't work. You suck. Rick is awesome. Let's get back on Team Rick. <laughs> um, couldn't have said it better myself. Ashley H. said... Is it just me, or is this cast getting way too big? Hey, now we try to cr- we try to cut it down as much as possible. I mean, I understand there've been a few over two hours, but uh, oh, she's talking about yeah the, the characters. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, maybe I'm a little too thin skinned. Uh, is it just me, or is this cast getting way too big? Ashley ponders. I think my main problem with this half season is that it's focused on too many characters outside its main ones, hmm. and I understand that they want us to care about these other people besides the originals, but. I just don't. I watch this show for Rick, Carl, Michonne, Daryl, and Carol. I just don't enjoy the show nearly as much when Rick isn't on my screen, and that's been a lot lately. I put up put yeah. up with it last season because everyone is separated, and I appreciated the Gimple wanting to give everyone a story. But you can't have fifteen main characters. Uh, what do you guys think? Is this a problem for you? If so, is it fixable? I know Game of Thrones has a similarly large cast. But I don't know if I'd be satisfied with just 10 minutes of Rick every week, the way they tend to handle each of their vignettes. This is just not how this show was set up. So we talked a lot about the success of Game of Thrones and how it manages, like, it's an immense cast, like 45, 50 plus characters. Yeah. Do you think that The Walking Dead can do justice with the 16 or so that we've got? Uh, or are we going to just have to get used to the fact that we're getting less and less of some of our core characters? Uh, you know what I prefer? I prefer the season three, or sorry, season four style of storytelling where it was an ensemble cast and you saw a bunch of them every episode. And then every so often you'd have 
an on the road episode or, you know, the bottle episode, as we like to call it, like still still was a great episode. Um, I, I feel like that's the way you want to do it instead of the other way around where you have the majority of the episodes in a season being, for lack of a t- better term, bottle episodes and then getting a couple of everybody episodes. I, I feel like that's the kind of character development that I really like. Let's see the majority of the episodes be the plot. And Ashley hits a good point here. Like she says, when Rick's not on the screen, I don't care. That's why I call Rick's storyline the main plot. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I want to see more of that because I'm in the same uh, the same park there. Sure. Uh, so I like to see the majority of the season be that. Let's follow the main plot uh, a lot. And and side characters kind of in the same episodes, but then if you really want to focus down on a character and develop that character, do a bottle episode once or twice every half season. That works for me. I think that one of the things that the the, the reasons that Game of Thrones works as well as it does is because they yeah they have a large cast, but yeah. so many of the cast are just cogs. Yeah, they're yeah. there to mm-hmm. serve a particular purpose in the story, and to get their plot. And they're they don't need an intricate backstory. Sometimes they get a little yeah, moment a of badass. Mm-hmm. And do you and, and 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 everyone seems to know their role and to support that. I'm and, thinking of like Jon Snow and Sam. Yeah. Right? Like Sam Sam had an arc, but he doesn't go as deep as Jon Snow does. But even even stuff like that, like you think of like Melisandre, um yeah. and, and like even some of the tertiary care, like some of the black brothers, maybe they don't do a good enough job because that was one of the complaints about you know, when some of these guys die, it's like, am I supposed to feel something? Um, mm. But I, I feel like that this cast, because it's more of an ensemble and and they're less faithful to the original material and they don't have a strong central vision and everyone involved at the top levels doesn't have a lot of experience making television. <laughs> some They maybe let stuff happen. Like if someone starts saying, I need more screen time, they're like, well, okay, we'll write you some scenes instead of being like, well, mm. that's not what your purpose on this show is. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing I feel like with game of Thrones, every scene has a purpose. It has to, it has to, they got 700 pages of novel. They need to cram into 10 hours. So, so it's very tightly written. And the, the scenes you do get with side characters are always things that are telling you just enough that you need to know about these characters. And they're probably funny and they're probably, uh, moving you along to the next main scene with a uh, main character. Or it helps the main character make a realization about their circumstance. Exactly. And here it just feels like they're trying to give everybody equal treatment. And you're right, that doesn't, that's not how it needs to go. Yeah. And, and, and maybe that's not a good format. It's tough. You see that, you know, like, you know, one of my favorite old school shows was Star Trek Next Generation. And the you know your meat and potatoes was you know Riker and Picard and Data running around doing stuff, yep. but every once in a while you'd have to you have a LaForge episode. You need a tr- or and now was, uh, but then you'd have Troy or Beverly or a Crusher or, or a Wharf like he had to go to Klingon and get uh-huh. get confirmed as a in, in a Klingon baptism and get shoved with pain spikes and stuff, and it's like it just ground <laughs> the whole story. It's and 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 those things succeeded or failed entirely depending on how much you liked the character. Yeah. You know, like the rough ones were like when Ensign Roe Lauren got a plot with George. It's like, oh, Christ. Yeah. And Wesley, too. Ah! Um, so that's the Or thing. like, if, if think about Boardwalk Empire. Sure. You don't want a full episode of just Mickey. Oh. You don't want Doyle out there for a full episode. You give him, 
his due in chunks throughout yeah. the series, and that's right. all you need. He's a right. side character. Yeah, like no one's going to complain if Rick and Carl and Michonne go off for a whole episode and we don't get to see other people. Yeah. People will complain when like Eugene and Tara go off for their yep. fun misadventures next season. Uh-huh. And that's just the way it is because that's the way all shows have worked. It's Walking Dead's not unique. It just seems like yeah. it's the highest profile show that has had a hard time really balancing everyone's roles and keeping, and that's nothing to turn over. My God, like, oh yeah, how are we supposed to care about Eugene and Abraham and Rosita when we just met them at the tail end of last season? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they spent most of the time chained up in a box truck or flipping over in a school bus. So yeah. Anyway, we spent way too much time on this. <laughs> we need to move on. Okay. Um, I think patience B, we actually actually covered this about Tyrese and Daryl blaming themselves and how that will influence their arc moving forward. Um, Daniel WB, professional podcast critic, came out of semi-retirement. Yep, as he does. <laughs> Just an atrocious quote-unquote finale all around. So many letdowns, oh, so little time. The big quote-unquote coda hung its hat on the shock value of snuffing of Beth, but the rest of the episode was a huge misfire. Maggie's bogus sister love, getting Gabriel off the hook, the miraculous recovery of Carol, the Mexican standoff with just four remaining cops. Sure, let's do the exchange in the corridor of your hospital. <laughs> the jump cuts, Bobby Beamer mindlessly crashing the fire truck into an impaled walker, the telegraphing of the dude ending up in the elevator shaft. It just felt like the budget was shot, and they said we have to wrap this show up now. Terrible finish to a great start. I don't know if I agree with everything Daniel says there, but... When do we ever? We don't. We don't. Uh... He has some valid points. Certainly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't buy that Gabriel's story arc was not good. Eh. Uh, Actually, I don't know that I've got anything particular I want to disagree with. Um, okay. And, and, and I do want to come... This is something that we worried about in the very first episode. This f- season premiere is so fucking awesome yep. and manifestly costs so much money... <laughs> that there's no way they're going to ever be able to hit this high on this half a season. And Mm. do you feel like some of this stuff is strictly budgetary? It can't be at this point, right? (sighs) Walking Dead has endless seas of money. But AMC, okay, so you're positing that AMC execs give a shit about pumping more money into this show when they're... Every every time they trot out a new hot half season, they gain twenty twenty five percent viewership. Like, but why... if the show were more awesome, wouldn't they gain more viewers? Rich people didn't get rich by giving away money, man. But they like, got rich by making awesome shit that people love. Like make make your shit more awesome. That's, that's our that's my argument, and I don't know that I don't know. Like, if you spent five million dollars more per episode which you can make up in about two and a half minutes of commercials on this goddamn show. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, would, like, your viewership go from 18 million to 25? I don't feel like it would. I don't, maybe not, maybe not. Uh, because, again, I keep coming back to Breaking Bad did everything right. Peak audience, six million people. It really Mad only Men, had two seasons of th- That was the last two seasons badass, when it became yeah. a, a phenomenon. Mad Men does everything I want to see Walking Dead do, except for their little light on walkers for me. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, th- barely yeah. three million people tune in. So yeah. it's not necessarily follows that the 
better you make a show in this objective that's sense. true and that's the confusing thing to me about walking dead is yeah. this show isn't as good as many other shows out there why is it so popular because it's entertaining some, as hell there's some formula and, and i feel like it's the lost formula as well lost use this same formula where it's like a hybrid of action uh show and and like soap opera kind of uh not as cheesy but you know the the sure the high drama sure uh i feel like there's some combination of that some balance there with those scales that makes the perfect show that just everyone loves i don't think you might and enjoy they've hit this formula you might enjoy this show more if you don't think about the characters motivations as deeply as we do you probably you know, would. If, if this is like, <laughs> like, just watch this like you watch wrestling. You don't, oh, this guy's a villain now? Okay, sure, whatever. Oh, they're redeeming him? All right, let's we'll see what happens. I can't do that, though. I want my TV to be better yeah, than that. I obviously sympathize. Uh, Mr. Rock and ROK said, I must say I enjoyed this episode based on the journey that took me through. Um, it's far and away the best one of the season. Hey, now. Hey. The best finale of the season? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Since I devoted most of the season to picking nits and defecating on each one, I'll focus this email on things I thought they did well, particularly the way they confounded my expectations. Now, I had to cut, like, majority of his points because... They're just, you know, I would I would spend a half hour reading them all. But we probably talked about most of them anyway. And we did talk about the ones, but here's here's yeah. a couple. Here's a, uh, a a selection. Okay. Uh, under the subtitle of "Black Don't Crack," after seeing the spider, the glass spider web as Sasha's face was smashed into it, I expected some type of scarring. Instead, we learned that Don's backhands deliver a greater amount of damage than glass shards. I'm Rick Grimes, bitch. After identifying himself as Rick Grimes, I thought maybe he'd get the Mo Green treatment or he'd demand that they say Grimesenberg. Instead, the two officers reacted as any local members of that fraternity might when they recognized the name of one of their own who had been shot in the line and was last heard fighting for his life. A nice touch if that's what they meant. Now, do you understand what he's saying here? No, I don't. What? What's so, Rick Grimes, I don't know. So, so. I've seen this in action because my brother's a firefighter. And he almost got killed in an, a- in an ambulance accident, and uh, the, his captain that was in the driver's seat did get killed. So Holy I've gone to shit. these, no I've idea. gone to these big state funerals where every fucking cop, like every fucking cop, yeah. shows up in a dress blues, and every uh, firefighter With the and flag it's super, draped over the coffin, and it's they give him the escort, yeah. and it's 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 super move. I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. Yep. I think he's trying to say that these guys showed like they recognized the name Rick Grimes. This only happened 15 months ago. Like every cop would know that this guy got shot in the line of duty. He's King County, Georgia. They might recognize Rick Grimes name. Yeah, they might. You're right about that. Maybe they would. So um, I'm not sure that that's exactly where they were going. But, but I buy it, and when yeah, we yeah. watched the second time, I was looking for it, and I'm like, you could argue that they're like, oh, my God, Rick Grimes. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, under subheading, heading, she's your huckleberry. The way both Daryl and Sasha's rifles were quivering in the close-up, I thought for sure their shots would go awry. Instead, I'm starting to think that maybe he's 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 being a little more nitpicky than, than yeah. he's letting on. I, I saw that, too, and I'm like, that's not, that's not worth it. In, instead, instead, Sasha delivers a flawless headshot after hearing her cue. Officer Officer Frankel, some four hundred feet away and five stories down, asking, "Where are your people?" Yeah, totally. See, that's her cue. Uh, uh, laundry day, nothing clean, right? I thought Slabtown was a well-oiled machine. After Noah left, I thought someone would take over laundry duties. Instead, we see Beth opting to dress for the prisoner exchange in a shit-stained shirt. <laughs> 
<laughs> save the Carol, save the world. I agree with y'all. Carol didn't <laughs> indeed show remarkable healing capabilities after effectively being on oh both the inside and outside of two serious car accidents. Oh my god! <laughs> and being at death's door just days before, she goes from mildly stirring to being in good spirits yeah. as she's wheeled to remarkably standing on her own two feet. A single shot of epinephrine <laughs> resurrects this woman from death. Well, it works in video games, right? It's insane. Like, I didn't talk much about it this episode, but my God. At this rate, I expected her to be Just the leave one... her in the wheelchair. Leave her in the wheelchair. At that rate, I expected her to be the one carrying out Beth's body. That would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have been... <laughs> I, all is forgiven, like, if they do that. Um. So, anyway, that was his take. Let's move on to Heather H. Said, I really am a Beth fan, so don't take this the wrong way, but I think Beth is ambivalent about her death, including her own. I think her own attempted suicide in the past made it easier for her to sacrifice herself in the finale. They did make a point of reminding us about Beth's previous suicide attempt when Dawn pointed out her scars. Beth had to know that it was possible. Wait. Beth had to know what could possibly happen if she stabbed Dawn. I think Beth Mm -hmm. felt after seeing her father beheaded, losing her sister and pretty much everyone she knew and loved, that she didn't have much to live for and knew if she sacrificed herself, Noah could leave with the group. In a way, I kind of blame Maggie. If Maggie had gone with the group to the hospital to rescue Beth, I think Beth would have felt she had more to live for and wouldn't have made a decision she did. Huh. This is interesting. That is, yeah. This is, this is, there's, and the first of several takes that kind of make the point that maybe Beth is a little, because remember like her, the Beth diary that we made a lot of light of in season three yes, where her boyfriend died. She didn't give a shit. And she, yeah, like <laughs> she, and and her going on about, um, you know, when her father's in the sick ward and probably going to die of the super flu, mm-hmm. she's like, you know, we got to keep our shit together and keep trucking on. Maybe this is at least consistent from her. Like this is like consistent reaction that she is not afraid of death and maybe kind of welcomes it on some level. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't see a problem there with with best reaction. Uh, Gretchen C. goes on to build on this. Super fan, by the way. She says, I get up on Monday mornings at 5 a.m. just to watch The Walking Dead on Amazon Instant Video. Oh, boy. Uh, I am not happy. Well, <laughs> sleep in next time before you take in a finale. It might I was going to say, is... Wait, that's not... That's a sequitur. That's not a non-sequitur. <laughs> like, I do this, and therefore I am not happy. <laughs> Gretchen says, I am not happy. Poor Beth. There she is in the hospital seeing her people come to rescue her. And who isn't there? She did not even know who made it out of the prison alive. Don't you think if her sister was alive, she would have been with the rescue party? I do think there was not enough of a relationship built up between Noah and Beth for her to sacrifice herself for him. But she may have thought all of her family was dead. That is another really interesting coloring of this take. Yeah, the idea that she thinks Maggie might not even be alive. And she really has nothing to live for at that point. Uh, I, I, I don't read her necessarily just sacrificing herself for Noah here. I think it's both, right? Cause she wasn't, so here's the problem I have with this scene and this, and I'll tie this back into her and Noah and Dawn here in a second. Please do. The scissors that she picks up and stuffs, stuffs into her cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the point of this? Why is she just stuffing a, scissors into her cast? I thought it was just a holdout weapon. That seems very smart. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe she was going to get old Dr. Edwards before she walked out. I, I thought pay, taking a blade weapon and hiding it on your person at this ludicrous hostage exchange yeah, was not, smart. Yeah, not a terrible idea. Uh, but clearly, so the only way that I can salvage this is to say she's just taking this weapon as a precaution in case anything goes bad. 
because well, she's boom, salvaged. She's problem solved. Re- Next problem. What can I help you with? She's Mr. ready Jones. to walk out of this hospital without any violence, right? It seems so. She she doesn't care that Dawn is going to keep running this group the way she's been running I think it. Dawn might have put her to sleep a little bit in that last exchange. I, I think so, and that's why I think when you know she's hugging Noah and she says, "I knew you'd be back," then Beth is like, "Oh, I fucking hate you. I'm going to stab you." Right. Um. So so it's there. Not necessarily that she doesn't want Noah to go back because she's willing to go up and hug him and probably just walk out the door. Uh from what I could tell, but when Dawn says that, I knew you'd be back, she rubs it in. She says, like, this is how it goes. I run this ship. And then Beth can't tolerate that. Beth has to, she sees what Dawn really is, and she turns around and she stabs her. It it, it seems to me like it's a combination of, man, I don't want Noah to go through this, but I also don't want Dawn to win. Okay. Because she's a horrible person. Sure, I believe that. Uh, the takes on Beth roll on. Andrew E said the overriding feeling I had over the course of this half season was that one of the characters was going to blow themselves up. But I don't think it would be Beth, whose second suicide attempt was infinitely more badass and successful than her first. <laughs> mm-hmm. Killing yourself just so you can drag that opie, dead-eyed rapist Dawn down with you is a terrific way to go out because they are a hundred percent implying that Dawn was raping Noah there, right? Maybe I oh, assume that because it's the only way that scene makes any sense and the I knew you'd come back from Don was telegraphed as extra creepy. Oh, see, I thought it was because she, I didn't she get was that, beating him. and I didn't get that either, but that's an interesting take that maybe yeah. she was going along with the raping because she was taking advantage of Noah as well. Could be. Uh, you know, and they made they this this whole idea of that he's my ward my ward like we know how gorman yeah, used yeah. that that's mm-hmm. another like i don't again this is all stuff that's in your head right none of this is yeah. really on screen the wards here translate into abused people right <laughs> comfort men and women yeah uh to use uh world war ii euphemism uh this season half season tied beth to suicide a few times the scene by the elevator shaft don's reference to her uh, wrist scars the final shot of beth's wrist next to a pool of blood which I didn't catch that symbolism, but that's that was pretty, a hell of a shot. Pretty strong indeed. Might be the uh, cover art for this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I give the show kudos for depicting suicide in a curative, curiously positive light. I feel like <laughs> Beth has always wanted to kill herself and get out of this dumb world with her dignity intact. But until Dawn decided to push her luck, she didn't have a compelling reason. So congrats, Beth, you crazy death obsessed porcelain doll. <laughs> Way to kill yourself and yet save your soul. Nice, nicely done, Andrew. Mm-hmm. You have any other additional thoughts, Jim? Nope. We will keep on trucking on. Titus D. Uh, actually, want to hold on to that one for a little bit. I thought we had a few more Beth takes I want to get out. Uh, William I. said, but the, uh, they ruin Beth's plot by giving her the idiotic plan of stabbing with a flimsy pair of scissors an officer trained in close quarters combat, wearing thick wool uniform and Kevlar through the shoulder blade in a room full of people with guns itching to see them the moment or use them the moment anything funny went down. It's not like the shoulder wound is going to kill Don. Why not go for the jugular or through the skull? And then, even if Don were to die from the thrust of an office supply from a 100-pound weakling, did she not think about the potential uh, risk the rest of her people would face in that hallway? Mm-hmm. She just basically went back to imbecile mode. No thought to what she was doing or the ramifications. A shame since they spent the last four episodes trying to show some sort of character arc to a stronger person. That is also a good take. That is incredibly stupid. Like, it is. Can you just chalk that up to teenagers doing something rash and impetuous? 
and just the the anger she felt toward Don. The she felt that there was no justice being done here. Yeah. And she desperately wanted that justice. Yeah. I I I think you're right. Had she thought about it, it's a bad plan, but I don't think she was thinking about it. Um, let's see what else. Um trying to think there's i thought there's one more take about beth maybe we'll get to it later okay um titus d said hey guys i've been curious uh, if or when you guys will hold kirkman accountable for the unevenness of this show maybe i'm reading in between the lines too much but it every feels to fucking me... week how about that <laughs> <laughs> don't we uh it feels like to me that he's been the most powerful voice in the writing room with the changes oh. in shows runners and the constant remixes it seems as though the final call on the story is his I've yet to hear of anyone really go after him. In my opinion, he has been the biggest problem with adapting the show. Man, season we are two, your Huckleberry. Season two, we savaged him. Was it? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, seasons two through four, we've savaged. Uh, the thing him. is, we mostly savage Kirkman in the spoiler section because yes. I'm usually comparing yeah. like asshole. You've made this work in the comic pages. Why are you swerving on this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, as as Officer Asshole says, stay in your lane, bitch. Like, don't mm-hmm. be swerving for no reason. I I you know, I don't know. I'm not a Hollywood insider. It does seem that Kirkman doesn't and I don't think he's the world's first of all, I don't think he's the world's greatest writer to begin with. The Walking Dead solid, it's not like, you know, unapproachably high art. And not a lot of popular stuff is. Like George R. R. Martin, not the world's greatest writer awesome storyteller mm-hmm. um i don't think he understands how television works and it seems to me again reading between the lines that he's systematically gotten rid of anyone that had a conflicting creative vision with him and now he's got gimple who was a very young inexperienced writer promoted him to showrunner and it kind of does feel like maybe he's finally got the relationship with all this stuff worked out the way he wants hmm. um yeah i don't know we have definitely savaged him before yeah. Uh I, I remember specifically a lot of the stuff in season two where just like what is he doing? Why yeah. why? Season two, season three, it's like He just seems like a uh, oh I th- it was the end of season three, wasn't it? Where, you know, the welcome to the tombs happens and we're like, Why the fuck are you doing this? Why? Yeah. Yeah. No, I and and may and it, it's it's always it's always been easy for me to say, well, maybe it was the AMC executives forcing his hand yeah it's easy that. to point the finger at the money people right and and you know maybe it's because there was uh you know because in the first couple seasons it was just constant upheaval like darabont got thrown out and yeah then Mazzara got, got thrown out. out and then so now it's like you've had several seasons of continuity who else can you blame the one constant's been uh kirkman and i don't know i mean like i would i don't know what he would even say if i like got an interview with him and be like what's up man why are you doing this? Is it because you think it's boring to just tell the same story? So this is you trying to be creative and exploring, or do you think that this is good? And he'll probably just say, well, 18 million people watch it, asshole. And here's my, <laughs> here's my W2. What have you ever done? <laughs> yeah. Let me, let, let me pick apart your podcast. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's not super interesting to assign blame correctly. I'd rather, I mean that's the thing. Despite this tone, the tone. Yeah, of this I'm podcast. getting. I'm getting fairly fed up with the lies, though. The straight up lies, or or like I said last episode, I think um, 
you know, the stuff with Maggie and him talking about, oh, it's all going to be fixed. Like, we've got scenes planned. I'm like, come well, on. Well, that, that could be next on. season, though. I know, but that's the thing. Like, is it reactionary or is it because you had it written in the story in the first place? It feels very reactionary. Like, yeah. oh, fans are really pissed about this. We better write something. We better retcon this next season. Or, you know, Retconning you always... is so cheap. Yeah. It's or, so cheap. Or you could always just say, like, hey, miss, just admit that you dropped the ball. It's like, you know... We probably could have built this stronger, but you know, a lot of tough decisions get made in the editing room, and a lot of stuff doesn't make it to the the the, the screen. And this is one of the threads maybe we got away from us, but we're promised we'll pay it off in the next season. Don't make it seem like all part of the plan. This I, is I all hate part that. Of the plan. I hate that excuse. Right. Unless it really is all part of the plan, which right. it's fairly obvious at this point that it's not. Sure. Um, so there, hope, hopefully that, that got you what you need. But yeah, no, we bag on Kirkman mostly in the spoiler section because it's yeah, in yeah. the context of how, how did you do this yeah. right in Why the one and then you did it wrong in the other in a completely conflicting, uncomplimentary way. It's not like, oh, you you did this way and yeah, it's just, yeah. anyway, William I said, uh, oh, I already read that one. Anthony C said, overall, I think season five was good. 5A was good. However, there were two changes the writers could have made that would have stepped this up a notch further. First off, a minor tweak I would have made would have been to have Officer Bob push Sasha completely out the window and to her death <laughs> at the conclusion of the crossed episode. Okay. You could then open coded the same way with Rick chasing down the cop and eventually killing him, only now it would be more dramatic and even more of a gratifying kill. The death of Sasha could then be used to snap Tyrese out of his nonviolent ways by making him realize that his plan ultimately led to her death. I like Sonequa Martin Green as much as the next guy, but she's extremely pregnant in real life. So I'd assume she's going to get oh, killed soon anyway. Why not make it meaningful? I guess. Season two pregnant Sasha? Or are they going to try and hide it? Uh, with blankets. They and have shit. to hide it because, well. With her and Bob, maybe, you know, before so he died. Flash forward like three or four months. Yeah. And, and her and, I mean, her and Bob are definitely fucking. Yeah, you that think would make so, sense. Yeah. Uh, condoms hard to f- uh, come by in the zombie apocalypse. First are they, thing looted. Are they really? First thing looted. <laughs> I don't think that's you get, true. You get, your, you get your cans of chocolate pudding, uh-huh. your, uh-huh. your abortion pills, <laughs> your dog food. <laughs> And then condoms. That's the number number four. Sure. Then bullets. Then and water. Machetes. Yep. So that's my take. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tom G from uh, Volkswagen, as ever, says mm-hmm. there are more than a few comments on the live thread that maybe Beth committed suicide by cop. There's ample evidence to support their claims. After all, she did attack an armed officer with a tiny pair of surgical scissors. Was there ever a doubt how this would turn out? For me, the real question is why. So after loads of thought, research, and introspection, I've compiled the top ten reasons Beth committed suicide oh by God. a cop. Okay. My apologies to Worldwide Pants Incorporated. Uh, can Aaron <laughs> do a good letterman, or even better, a letterman doing a Beth? No. I have way Ooh. too much respect for Indianapolis native, yeah. Ball State graduate, and local boy made good. Yep. IndyCar team owner. David Letterman <laughs> the, to, to, try, to try, try to do that. But I do like the concept. So number ten... If I get Paul Schaefer to give me a drum roll, that'd be awesome. Yep, I'll just put on some funny glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Number 10, death, despair, blah, blah, blah. Number 9, it seems like all my new friends get eaten by walkers, especially the African-American ones. Number 8, it's uh, no one calls me doodlebug any longer. Sad face, here you <laughs> number seven there's nothing good on tv anymore number six the world is full of haters who care more about their weak ass one-liners than to do fine art number five this is boring number four a guy with a tank pulled up to my new house and chopped my dad's head off with a katana what would you want me to do 
Number three, I thought my sister would come looking for me, but she didn't. Number two, I wanted to be a singer, but the music industry is dead. And the number one reason that... It's dead, get it? And the number one reason Beth wanted to commit suicide by a cop. Have you seen the job Dr. Granite State did stitching my head? I'm going to look like Frankenstein's monster. (laughs) Now I need a keyboard solo. Yeah, I need to throw the thing through the glass, the fake glass window. Throw a pencil at the camera. Throw a pencil and stick you in the eye (laughs) and then move on. Thank you. Can add the Tonight Show host writer to his uh, yep. poet credentials. Uh, Nathan P said, "Doesn't like suicide or doesn't Beth suicide by cop? Uh, doesn't like he doesn't like Beth suicide by cop. Uh, her end. Uh, he says, what's even worse, Beth can't even finish the job properly. I might have been able to applaud her effort if she hadn't if she hadn't stabbed Dawn. What if instead of attacking her, Beth goes in for a hug, thanking Dawn for everything she did to improve her well being in the rape hospital." But Dawn, having gone completely paranoid and insane at this point, <laughs> takes it as an attack and shoots her dead with that provocation. <laughs> uh, in this scenario, you have Beth playing the perfect green character, trying to appeal for peace rather than fighting, but also showing how the apocalypse changes people and a great link back to how her father died in the previous season. Either this or actually have Beth prove herself in the show. How, Beth- how does that prove that people have changed? In the apocalypse, or how the apocalypse changes people? What do you mean? I'm not, I'm not. I'm not sure. I follow you. Like I don't. I don't want Beth to be the nice girl pacifist at this point, right? She's become stronger than that. She sees an injustice. She's going to take action. Yeah, that's what I liked about her death. Well, that's what I'm saying. That you know, if she goes slashing at throats and stuff. No, I don't know. he he's saying that she doesn't. Right? She goes in for a hug. Well, tries I think, to make this all good, and then Don just blasts. So her. I think the the implication I might have badly edited this email. I could already tell by the way oh, I okay. started off because um, I had to go through the rare third brutal cut. <laughs> okay, like you know the feedback. initial cut, yep. the second cut, and I'm like, holy shit, 21 pages. That's way too much. And I went through <laughs> a third brutal cut. Still mm-hmm. wasn't enough. Um, but uh, some some jagged bone and skin flaps hanging off this one. <laughs> I think the implication is that they'd have to rewrite that scene to where Don wasn't a huge asshole like she was actually letting everyone go and it would be a tragic misunderstanding and that would be uh, more dramatically interesting okay gotcha that well that's his point that he would have date, taken as an alternate alternate route yeah horse w said first scene of this episode is my main problem with the series rick is unnecessarily violent for no reason i guess i'm in a minority that i really enjoyed these bottle episodes because uh they helped develop the other characters in the show and make it more about than uh, just Rick and Carl. It's about more than zombie killings and head explosions and limb disembowelment. It's more about emotions. So if you don't have emotion for the characters, if you don't connect with them, then you don't care about them. And while most people don't realize, I think the show is about cool... uh, Wait. And while most people don't realize, and I think the show is about cool zombie kills or feeding your bloodlust, it's not. It's about emotion and your heart and what you're feeling. If you don't get that, I feel sorry for you. So I really enjoyed the episode. Kind of. It's about both. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. Like, I'm not an unemotional person. Yeah. I can be got to. Mm-hmm. They just are not passing the bar for me. And I'm a I, cyborg, so. Yes, I mean, your bar is much higher than, than yeah, yeah. other people. But I'm a fair, I'm fairly softy. Like, it doesn't take much to get me, you know, um, throw in a good. Misty-eyed. Uh, you know, parents and kids relationships. Oh, and, yeah. And siblings and family, and it gets me. I just, you know, I have a hard time caring about people that I just haven't had that relationship built up with. Sure. So, um, it's natural. It's called being human. 
Daryl McBee says, we've come full circle in terms of where the group is currently located. So far, we've been to King County, Atlanta, outside Atlanta, the CDC, inside Atlanta, on the farm, at the prison, at Woodbury, back to Kings County, on the road, to Terminus, at the church, and now to Atlanta. So you're saying we need more Georgia. I may have missed (laughs) some, but basically we have gone through four and a half seasons, and we're basically back to where we started. While this is a little frustrating, it'll be interesting to see where they are willing to go in the second half. But I guarantee I'll be watching and annoying my wife with yet another season. Um, well, you know there aren't there aren't any tax breaks in Tennessee. The thing is, so. they don't. Is is is, is Atlanta insists is Georgia the state of Georgia, mm-hmm. sovereign state of Georgia, home of the Peachoid, insisting that not only did they film within the confines of Georgia, but they have to conspicuously identify as being in Georgia in the real story. I don't know. Because Georgia can know. pass for a lot of different things, and I'm kind sure. of... I think this this thing in the next season or two needs to bust out of Georgia. I think so. I think if we spend too much more time in Georgia... It just feels like there's way... That you keep running into coincidences. Like, it's hard to believe that the Woodbury and Terminites and uh, Grady Memorial people did not know about each other. Because yeah, everything's so, on top and incestuous. Sure. I mean, they've spent the majority of their time in north, like northwest of Atlanta at this point. Uh, or, sorry, northeast of Atlanta at this point. So if they were to go, like, southwest of Atlanta, you know, maybe you could see them not running into people that they knew, uh, not running into the places that they've been already. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Georgia has run its course. Um... I'm going to have to start editing on the fly because this is going way too long. Okay. Jazz W from Minnesota said, I'm not sure where I heard this from you guys or somewhere else on the internet, but have you talked about how the episode title Coda is a musical term, especially for the end of a piece of music? I haven't talked about it, but yeah, I know that. And Beth was definitely the music of the show, so I never had a doubt oh. she was the one who was going to die. I, nice. I think that's a great tribute to Emily if that's, if that's intentional. Yeah, that's um, cool. I like that a lot. Um, so thanks for mentioning to it. Uh, she also says it's probably nothing, but in the beginning of the episode, when Gabriel is looking through the Terminites camp, he picks up a Bible. It looks like the spine has been broken to a specific point and without a DVR deposit. Um, and either watching through, I thought I glimpsed the top corner saying second Chronicles 11. Hmm. So I looked up and, and see what could be found around that part of the Bible, wondering if the termites were obsessively reading that section or something. And unfortunately it didn't come up with much. The only thing I see in Second Chronicles 10 is an interesting line. My father laid upon you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Did anyone else have a what Asshole. did the Bible mean take? Uh, it's not cool. No, I mean, this is... Uh... Here, you're getting shit on? Let me take the ultimate dump on you. So I do... I, I actually cracked the Bible. Uh, this e- this email inspired me. I have cracked the Bible in the past, yeah. Um, I broke it right on its spine, right at Second Chronicles. And mm-hmm. it turns out that this is talking about King Rehoboam, who was the grandson of King David, who was the, you know, obviously father of King Solomon. Um, and King Solomon, uh, even though he's known as wise, he's kind of an asshole at the end, and he, ran, he, he passed these a, a, uh, excessive taxes on all the Israelites to pay for his big temple projects and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, the hanging gardens and all that shit. So the people were coming to him and be like, hey, can... can well, not the hanging gardens. That's... <laughs> fuck off if you're not going to play along the Bible history. Uh, he's like... The, the people came like, hey, uh, your father about bankrupted this. Could you go a little lighter? And the, el- the elders of his... Uh, his elder advisor said, yeah, you should probably at least give him lip service that you're going to go easy on him. 
But his peers, his asshole princes and whatever he rolled with as a young king of Israel, said, nah, fuck him. Tell the people you're going to break their backs. It's like, you think my old man was bad? Well, wait till you see it. As a result, the 12 tribes of Israel split, and King Rehoboam was now only the, the king of the, the northern two tribes, or maybe the southern two tribes of Judah. And then the other 10 tribes went their own way and had all, their own king. Is there anything significant into the fact that this Bible split open to Israelite, the Israel forever being split into two tribes and becoming a separate people? Is there a split in Rick's group coming? This was Mad Men. Was this the tale of I Terminus? Might let that, I might lend some credence to that theory. I don't clear think water. this show is sophisticated enough to do that, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean... They had to open it there for some reason. But I'm Maybe. Not... Do they? Do they yeah, really? I ain't I mean, going to fight you too hard on he that. He opens it. He goes to the cover. It says Mary. I think that's the point they were trying to make, yeah. is that look at these horrible people doing horrible things. Oh, well, they were reading their Bible, too. Right. Uh, we had a take from Michelle from Cali who posited that she'd rather Beth have lived and Carol died because Carol's at the end of her arc where Beth was at the beginning and she and Daryl could uh, have healed each other. We kind of talked about that, so I'm going to move on. Okay. Unless you have something new to add. Nope. Um, Let's see. Got to skip this one. Um, Okay, no. Rob B. said one thing. He said a lot of things were just kind of hand-waved away. He goes, one thing is that Father Gabriel endangered the whole group by bringing walkers to the church. Once the walkers were trapped in the church, why didn't Michonne turn to Gabriel and say, what the fuck? Do you have a, I have actually have a rationalization for that. Okay, bring it, because I don't know. Michonne walked into Woodbury, where everything seemed idyllic and a paradise, and was strongly skeptical of the governor, when no one else was, and Andrew, her best friend, was saying, you're being an idiot. Do you think she might be a little bit more sympathetic to Gabriel wanting to kind of kick the tires and look under the group's fingernails? Hmm, maybe. I think that may, and maybe that's, I wish I'd had this realization last week because her meeting him at the door and being like, I understand what it's like and how tough it is to believe and survive in this world. Yeah. But, yeah. So I kind of think maybe if I go back to her skepticism of Woodbury, which looked a hell of a lot better than people invading your church and butchering people to death. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, they had ice cubes and, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever, their drinks, um, mint juleps and stuff. Sure. No, that's cool. Uh, if if that's intended to be the outcome of Michonne's past, I like it. Uh, Derek says, I'm devastated they are not going to stay at the hospital. Besides the CDC, there's not been a better place to hold up than the hospital. Where's Rick and his group heading next? That they don't they turn down all the food, shelter, medicine, and security the hospital has to offer. It doesn't look like any of the people there left with the group besides Noah. I wonder how many people total are at the hospital. What home does Noah have to go back to? Is it bad that I'm not seeing Dawn as a villain and that Daryl shooting her in the head because of Death's stupid choice to stab her shoulder and not kill her was a real tragedy? A lot to unpack there. Yeah, so it's interesting that they end this episode right outside that hospital, right? With with the entire group reunited at the hospital. Uh, they could set out on their own. Like, because certainly Rick is going to get wind of Eugene being full of shit, and they're going to have to make a decision. What are we going to do now? Are we going to stay at this hospital because the church isn't a viable option anymore? Or are we going to strike out on our own and try and find a new place? Uh, that decision is coming very soon in the new uh, half season. Yeah. Has to. 
Agreed. <laughs> unless they skip it, unless they say they give us another walking montage. I thought it was interesting that they didn't. I, I don't know. Staying at the hospital. I I think Rick. Rick seems like he's done with the idea of a permanent safety. That he's kind of he's as you said gone anti Bob and it's like this is as good as it's get. We're just going to be nomading it up. Yeah, maybe. And it'll be interesting to see what, if anything, shakes him out of that belief. Um, Jay from Memphis says, regarding Rick Grimes always meeting the belly of the beast, has it not always been clear that the season budget for location scouting on this show goes to Greg Nicotero every episode? If AMC <laughs> builds a lair, they're going to make goddamn sure it gets plenty of amortization. I mean, airtime. <laughs> Plausible. Can't say sure. anything bad about that. Craig P says, if you guys watch the Talking Dead, some crazy ass dude with a dead fox or maybe foxes on his head, ask Kirkman a direct question about why didn't anyone mention the CDC plot line when Eugene showed up and Kirkman dodged it like it was Ebola. I've been screaming that the same thing since he showed up. What do you guys think is up with that? Was season one no longer canon? If not Morgan, what the fuck? Um, yeah, you think Rick's first thing was i went to the cdc i met the last scientist on earth and he said it was hopeless so what do you got yeah i mean the only thing is eugene claims to be part of some super secret operation uh you know or he has he has information that maybe the dr jenner didn't have yeah i i don't know that's a fair thing to ask eugene certainly um let's see i don't want to make too many excuses for the show (laughs) right 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 um trying to skip up a bit uh oh final one ejg said the walking dead fire engine is a metaphor for season 5a it started fast and unexpectedly it blew its entire wad right away it sputtered (laughs) along coming to a stop a few times along the way and then crashed at the church Uh uh-huh Pretty good. Pretty good. I like it. That's all we got. Uh, we got one more week. As we are wont to do, we're coming back mm-hmm. for a season wrap-up. So the email spigot is not quite slammed shut. Yep. You got a better chance of, of getting your take overall in the season. Love to know your predictions for next half season. Uh, we'll probably be reviewing our death predictions. I think I did quite well for myself. You might have. You uh, might have. We'll see. And uh, taking your predictions, your thoughts on this season... Uh, your hopes, your fears, everything, watching dead at baldmove.com. Of course, we got facebook.com slash baldmove, Twitter at baldmove, and the forums, forums.baldmove.com. If you want to talk long form with us and your fellow fans, check that out there. Uh, also, uh, last chance, last chance to get uh, my book at uh, our buddy Jeff Bezos' discounted rate of 99 cents, book.baldmove.com. It goes up at midnight tonight. Uh, unless there's a thickening of the plot. So uh, check it out. Stocking Stuffer, digital stocking stuffer. Sounds good. We'll be back next week on Tuesday with our season 5A wrap-up. And until then, I'm Jim. Oh, we got spoilers too. Yeah, yeah. I forgot the Oh, th- I thought those were implied. Oh, yeah. Like I always assume, yeah, we've got spoilers to do. we got spoilers okay. comes after music. <laughs> but until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. See ya. Do you ever wonder how two dudes can pump out over 250 podcasts per year and not charge a penny for it? Generous people like you make it all possible. There are lots of great ways to support us, but one of the simplest is to straight up throw us cash. 
Go to support.baldmove.com to donate via PayPal. And we also accept Bitcoins for all you crypto nerds out there. Oh, down with the fiat currency! Fight the power! Uh, yeah, and support free and independent podcasting. Support.baldmove.com. And we're back with the spoiler section. What do we have this week? Uh, Gabriel H. said, I didn't get a chance to see the last episode before your podcast, so this is a little outdated, but surprised that you didn't pick up on the sparks flying between Rosita and Glenn. Psh, 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 psh. That's my impression of, well, I, impression of flying I kind of did, but I didn't want to make... I don't think Glenn is the type of guy who would betray Maggie at this point. Plus, they're just being nice. Like, I explained it as friendship, and I yeah. think that's... I'm hoping that's Budding what it is. friendship. Yeah, I don't want it to be where Glenn cheats oh, on oh, Maggie. Oh, well, wait, wait till Gabriel, Father Gabriel here uh, goes on. Being cloistered makes you a horny person. Oh, does it? Prone to being So Gabriel should just everywhere. be ready for any action. <laughs> I mean, Abraham's going to come up to him, and he's going to go off. Yeah, he's not going to need a machete to pry those floorboards out after this email. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it goes, you had previously theorized that Tara would start a love triangle between Maggie and Glenn, ultimately killing herself in the same way Carol did in the comics, throwing herself into a walker. Yeah, yeah. Although uh, Tara being killed off would be awesome. I'm glad they aren't using that storyline on her. I do think they, they are going in that direction with Rosita, however, and here's why. Really established a season this season that Maggie and Glenn have zero chemistry, and she even thwarted his advances a few episodes back. True. Now, instead of choosing to go with Glenn to get water, she decides to stay back with Eugene and Abraham. It seemed to me like Glenn was pretty disappointed and gave her the sad puppy dog eyes. Then at the river, uh, R and G had several moments, especially when they caught the fish. Given how Abraham treated Rosita earlier, mm-hmm. I think she wants Glenn. I hope they do this because I didn't see it coming, and it would be even better if it was Maggie who decided to offer herself because Glenn chose Rosita. Yeah, um, that's totally possible. That's totally possible. Uh, I just want to think however, that Glenn is better than that. I can't, I can't give you that I didn't see it coming, Gabriel, when you've clearly seen it coming from a mile away. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I feel like it's almost a moral certainty that somebody is going to pull the zombie by death by zombie storyline pretty uh, soon. Mm-hmm. And I do think like now after seeing this episode, it's clear to me that Kirkman is setting up this Maggie green hanging herself. And that's going to be his all's forgiven. Right. Moment. Right. Um, that payoff was worth it. You can't just have payoff. You got to have setup too. D- right. <laughs> like that's the problem. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, and setup isn't events; they're people's reaction to events. And trying to get from a tough, strong person like Maggie to being crushed by this, we really need to have bought on that she was all along bothered, bothered by, by the absence by the, of her sister. Yeah, and not borderline relieved. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Michael McBride here said, "I got a crazy ass theory." Here we go. We've been speculating on who might play Negan. I ask to you all, what if he's already been cast and is currently playing on the show? I guess mm. you're asking yourselves who that might be. Do you have any ideas, Ginger? Rick Grimes. Rick Grimes is Negan. Is Negan. It'd be funny if he was like a split personality type, kind of like a Tyler Durden. Yeah, yeah. He gets a telephone call. Yeah. And he ends up becoming yeah. Negan. And then he wakes up, passed outside the gates of Alexandria. Like, where where, where have I been? Yep. Uh, baseball bat in one hand and a hot iron in the other. <laughs> Um, I propose to you that it may be Morgan that will turn into Negan slash Negan. Huh, okay. 
He is clearly crazy enough and smart enough. All he may need is an extra desire for power and a group of followers. A huge divergence from the comics, but it would be interesting to see what would happen. Okay. I think I don't think this is going to happen, but mm-hmm. I think it's fucking brilliant. Sounds kind of cool, yeah. Because if you make Morgan this deranged savior cult leader mm-hmm. who has a personal connection with Rick Grimes, that is some powerful stuff. And I fully believe Lenny... Uh, can play a deranged oh, yeah. character, but oh, but yeah. yet has this purpose that's driving him, uh-huh. uh, like this higher purpose that like justifies everything. Yeah, like they didn't explain clear very well, but no. we understood that as his purpose, sure. and it made a lot of sense that that character would be so obsessed with clearing. Yeah, and the fact that like he might be jealous of Rick, uh-huh. that like he stayed behind to put his finished business, unfinished business with his wife to rest. That decision cost his son his life in a roundabout way rick still has his son yeah it'd be interesting if if as a matter of fact he has a new child <laughs> exactly <laughs> like not only have i not lost my son i've gained a daughter <laughs> asshole yeah i like them i like that arithmetic and my Morgan. wife eh she was fucking shade yeah, anyway <laughs> yeah that's like uh you know dead weight yeah um yeah i can see that like him being driven mad with jealousy slash rage slash already half there anyway that would be i don't think it's happening but i like the cut of your jib there michael sounds cool um margaret c said on the talking dead kirkman stated that a prominently gay character from the comic books will be starring next season any idea who this is daryl dixon (laughs) (laughs) how the character will play into the storyline i've read some of the comics but i must have not gotten to that point uh yeah i don't know what you're talking about so I can't remember which community. That's the interesting thing, and I think it's kind of brilliant the way overall Kirkman and Gimple have structured this because they're kind of right where they need to be to take this to the next level, mm-hmm. which is, and I think they've made a lot of mistakes here, but I think that the the you know the baseline everything is set, which is Rick's group is now so battle hardened and so distrustful that when they meet groups of like minded people, survivors, their first instinct is to not to trust them. Yeah. In fact, their instinct is to maybe uh, capture and torture people mm-hmm. to give them information on the settlements and stuff because it just doesn't occur to them that there could be other good people out there surviving. And that has a lot of friction. And also it sets up that Rick has this aura of invincibility that I can come in and do whatever and whenever because we're the baddest motherfuckers alive and then they meet Negan. Um so this character, I think there's there's two prominent gay characters in The Walking Dead. Um, one of them, his name is Double Aaron, I think is how you pronounce that. Okay, his name's Aaron, and he is uh, a, a fantastic idea. One of the communities, I can't remember if it's Hilltop or if it's Alexandra. He's like an advanced scout. Him and his partner, uh, his boyfriend, he's like Daryl, kind of. But but they post up like a day or several days away from Alexandra in one of the approaches. And when they make contact, they they observe the group for s- s- long and just periods of time, them back, kind of, and see what they do. Like, how do they treat their women? How do they do? They have children with them. How do they treat each other? What you know? So they have a lot of information before they then approach them and say, "Hey, we've got a group, and here's the rules you need to follow." And this happens all outside of the city. It's really smart. I think that that's the character that they're alluding to. Okay. Who's the um, other gay character in Walking Dead? I have no idea what his name is. Oh, okay. Because he eventually gets, spoiler, uh, he eventually gets killed 
uh, in a raid later on, which really hardens Aaron's position as far as, you know, being pro Rick and, oh, okay. you know, uh, really cements him as being a loyal soldier to Rick. Um, I also want to talk about somebody. Did you see this on our forums? Somebody found out that we talked about Vinnie Jones and we talked about the football history of Oh him. my god, this picture? This picture it's one in a million. It's beautiful. This picture is Vinnie Jones with this vicious look on his face, uh-huh. reaching back, like behind his back, grabbing and twisting this man's nuts in vice like grip. And you can see the guy the look on his face is pure ah, you know, like he's got my balls, he's twisting horror. How did a photographer get this? I, don't I mean, know, but it's I. This I, is mantle worthy. Like I'm, if I take that picture, <laughs> somebody wrote on. Uh, I think it was in the forums or maybe it's Facebook. They're like, at this point, if they don't cast Stephen Graham or Vinnie Jones, I'm going to be fucking disappointed. Uh-huh. And I kind of that's the one. The danger of following this stuff is you can get prejudiced pretty quick. Like you know, look at everybody losing their shit about Vince Vaughn being on True Detective, and they're like, oh my god, yeah, Swinger yeah. Man. Is going to be on True Detective. This doesn't fit. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. Stephen Graham played an awesome Al Capone. I could easily see him being a Negan Nagan, um, but who knows? Like, and if they get somebody else, you just that never know. Um, anyway. I mean, yeah, I I really hope it'd be awesome to have Vinnie Jones. Uh, I I just keep thinking about that photograph and the not not only like right place, right time of getting that photograph. But also that the guy goes on to become an actor, like a famous, right. well-known actor. Yeah, uh, it, it's just the perfect storm. Of I do photograph. I do know how he got. I guess uh, booked means yes, he did get a yellow card. Yeah, I, I see how he got yellow carded three seconds after a match began. Now, oh yeah, he could just open with the ball, the, the ball twist, and there uh-huh. you go. Yep. You can't do that. That's a yellow card. <laughs> one, the one card for each testicle. <laughs> He got two yellow cards. The thing is an automatic red. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure someone on the forums will set me straight because we got a lot of uh, soccer fans there. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, one thing I want to talk. Speaking of gay characters, Kirkman said in a recent interview. I think it was in Variety. I'm not sure where it was actually. Um, he said in an interview oh, that Daryl yeah. is def- definitely straight, and that that will. And kind he kind of hinted that that will be important next season. Okay, him and Carol. Refresh my memory. Kirkman <laughs> started this whole shit. You're right. He started by saying, like, you know, and people are speculating about who's a well, maybe, maybe Daryl's gay, and now he's like taking pains to put out in the. Sp- that seems weird. That seems weird to make it a point in an interview that Daryl's not his, gay. His point has been misdirection the entire time, right? So he I guess. he has stated that. Um, I thought he said that. He he made the suggestion that Daryl was asexual. No, that's Wasn't that, that was a did? listener on uh, our podcast last year, which I thought was brilliant. Okay, then it's... I'm then I'm confusing the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but there has definitely been talk, and Kirkman has stated, you know, not not super specifically that he is gay or that he isn't gay. Yeah, but he has made statements that led everyone to believe that Daryl is not interested in Carol. Yeah, uh, not interested in Beth in any way. Um, and now he's coming out and saying, yes, he absolutely is going, he's absolutely straight and he's going to have some kind of relationship that proves that in season 5B. Right. That seems like more misdirection to me. Yeah, and they have like, to... Like, why say that and let, like, why give away points, plot points of the next season unless you're specifically giving misinformation? Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know how the man... I, I, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to how he interacts with the media or the fans. Which is kind of good, right? I mean, sure. because then you don't know if when he says it, he's being truthful or dishonest. Sure. But um, but the, then that also makes his interviews kind of worthless. Yeah, true. So, which I kind of, that's another reason why we don't do them. <laughs> yeah, and it makes, like, his retro uh, fitting of this whole thing. Like, when he goes back and he talks about things that have already happened, it makes that less a little suspect which yeah, that's why it's like you know like me. the the one exception i'd make to talking about cast and crew are like on shows that are done like i'd love to yeah. get vince gilligan and interview him talking about like how awesome breaking bad was because i know it's awesome i know it ended well and he's got you know he's got no incentive to be anything less than forthcoming mm-hmm. i think it's very boring to talk about um especially cast and crew in an ongoing production uh yeah you know, Seppenwald does a really good job out of his, like, uh, when he interviews, like, Terrence Winter or um, Matthew Weiner when a season wraps up because he kind of confines that. Yeah. And you can still get some good candor and background information. But most of the stuff during the season just never is that much interesting to me because they can't. No. They can't talk spoilers. No. Nope. They can't even really tell you about the motivations of their character because that is in itself a spoiler, you yeah. know? And if you didn't get it on the screen, then what value does it have? It's just a fan's opinion at that point. Yep. Um, so anyway, I'm with you. Uh, I've got some more stuff, but I, we've run long, and I think I want to, uh, you know, talk about predictions for next time in the spoiler section of next episode. Yeah, sounds good. So that's my way of saying I'm done. That's it. All right. Thanks everybody. Get for the listening. mic out of my. <laughs> we will be back next week with more uh, discussion of the season and more spoilers. So I will see you then.